This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. We are back after a two-week hiatus from the program. My God, it feels good to be back in the studio. Joe, you have a good, good time here today? We had a great time, and guys, we don't even talk about the weather. But we do talk about... Oh, a lot of other stuff. He's referencing something that happened earlier where Matt was saying it was hot, and I was like, I don't want to talk about it on the show. Just stick around. We get into a lot of good stuff today. I think it's good. Very serious. Welcome back to the Mandatory Samson Podcast. My name is Christopher Flannery. I'm joined, as always, by Joseph Noe and Matt Weiss. Uh, we were away. And we're back. Woo! I feel great. Happy to be here. Okay. All right. Matt, do you feel good? Uh, apparently not as good as Joey, but I'm no, glad jo- to be back. Wow, Joey came out of the gate. It's, it's fucking been, hot. It's been, I missed this. It's been two weeks, bro. No, I missed doing it, too. I, I bookmarked a, uh, so much stuff. I had to sift through it, but I think we put together... Let's say a diverse program today. We're going to cover a lot of different bases. Things that I feel like have not been covered that the mainstream media maybe had missed or didn't focus on because of other. The Trump two stories. There's just, there's just two stories. What? Uh, Trump the Jr. Yeah. And uh, I can't even tell you what the other one is. That That's how Paulie the media has been doing. Lately. We will talk about Trump Jr., but it's not going to be the lead story here. We, we will get into it. Um, we're going to close the program. With some emails. Got a bunch of emails from people. Nice. Including my brother-in-law. You didn't put him up to this, did you? No. He's listening to the podcast. Look me in the eye and tell no, me you didn't put I him got, up to I this. I swear to God, I didn't. He okay. sent an email. He's He hates you. I mean, yeah, of he course sent, he does. He's, who he's who actually does like me? Do not uh, answer that. Anyone. Uh, and then anyway, so we're going to end with some emails like we've been doing recently. And we got a little bit of everything in between. Uh, but first, Uh-oh. a story that I've been wanting to talk about. For upwards of two weeks. Two weeks? Are you ready for this? Yes. This is the Trump carrier deal. Do you remember this situation? Yes, I do. First came into office. Him and Pence got together. We're saving thousands of jobs. And people applauded. Yeah, and they Mexico. We're not, we're not going to Mexico. No Mexico. No Mexico. Okay. End of November, Trump announced he'd saved 1,000 jobs at an Indianapolis carrier plant. That's a lot of jobs. Well, well, it turns out beginning next month, 600 employees will be laid off. That's more than half. 338 on July 20th, which is in a week. 290 people, Joey, are going to be laid off December 22nd, three days before Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. The deal gave Carrier $7 million to employ 1,069 people for 10 years. Here's the problem. Only 730 were manufacturing jobs. The other rest were engineering and technical jobs, so they're going to stay. Uh, and they're firing now 600 of those manufacturing employees. And you don't hear a goddamn thing about it. No. $16 million investment carrier also as part of the deal said they put $16 million uh, of an investment into the plant. Here's the rub. It, they're investing it into automation. No. They're not improving the plant for the workers. That's fucked. They're backhanded. Using, well, of course, but it sounds good. 16 million we're saving at that no you're saving nothing because they weren't planning on getting rid of those technical and fucking engineering jobs they were getting rid of manufacturing jobs to begin with and now it's even worse because they're investing 16 million to automate the plant well that was said said when this came out 
I mean, you said you said when this happened, watch this because we want to actually see if what's going to happen. But oh yeah, we knew this was going to happen, of and course. now it's just confirmed. This is we're giving seven million dollars or whatever to get nothing back. No, we well, get zero back from this. A hundred percent. And l- let me tell you this: this guy Greg Leroy of Good Jobs First, which is like a nonprofit that tries to get you know f- focus on issues like this, mm-hmm. estimates that state and local governments are spending seventy billion dollars a year on incentives so essentially what they're doing is they're spending 70 billion dollars to bribe companies to kind of keep people's jobs in this country but then not really because the manufacturing jobs are going to go away anyway 70 billion why don't you invest that 70 billion into salaries into um any number of things infrastructure basic universal income go team absolutely right but no we're actually using it to bribe the company like Listen, you gotta you gotta keep these people. Why, why not just pay them that money? Listen, we're gonna pay you money to keep these jobs, which you're gonna try the best not to. But then, instead of you paying for the automation, we're gonna give you a tax break, and you're gonna use that money to buy the automation to have less jobs. Right. Well, it's just this fucking shell game. No sense. It, it, it makes no sense. It's a shell game. It looks like a win, right? We said it at the time. That was the other thing. I mean, we did talk about it. And I said, watch this because this is not gonna be real. But. It was a win at the time, and how many people really are paying attention to this now? Like I said, not this has not been covered. All, nope. all you, this to me, if I'm a Democrat, like if I'm a Democratic strategist, yeah, the Russia stuff, it's a slow, it's a simmer. There's jobs, nothing jobs, boiling jobs. right now. Right. Talk about this. Go, you know, a lot of people are distracted by the insanity that's taking place in the White House, by the, the revelations, by all this Russia stuff, which make no mistake about it, something's up, right? But we don't know what it is yet. I want to talk about jobs. I want to talk about this carrier deal that Trump heralded. Make them play defense because I feel like Trump, even when he's on his heels, is still on offense against the the, the Democrats. Well, and we have multi, we have the special uh, special prosecutor's office is going to keep plugging away at this Russia thing. It, right, it's working. It's working on zone, and it's, but it's going to take a long time to get charges out. And I mean, it's a very Mueller Mueller's going to do a good job. He's a very qualified person. But he's going to take a long time to do it because he is going to cross the, cross the T's and dot the I's. Absolutely. Well, and that, you know, and I think you're absolutely right about that. And I think it, it is going to take a while. And long-term strategy-wise, if the Democrats keep everything that comes out, oh, my God, this is egregious. Oh, my God, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. The people tune out. That's the boy that cried wolf. Stop talking about it for a while. It's way more impactful if you don't talk about it every day, constantly, just constantly harping on it. And then a month from now... So, for example, if the Democrats hadn't been hammering this all the time, not my president, we got to get Russia. This, if this Donald Trump Jr. shit came out just out of nowhere, essentially, it would have been way more impactful. But it's just lost in the stream. Half the country, half the voting country that voted for Trump could give a fuck about this. This is not even a thing. He didn't do anything. It doesn't even register. And you can make the argument he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. Well... The way I see it, the, the real problem of why Democrats can't really hammer th- this whole jobs thing and automation is because the Democrats don't have an answer for this because it's an it's inevitable economically that we're going to lose jobs jobs to automation. Definitely. So the only the, I th- I see the biggest flaw here is that Trump decided to spend seven million dollars of taxpayer money to give incentives to se- to send jobs or to get rid of jobs. All he's doing is speeding up the loss of jobs. That's all he's done. Well, yeah, right. Well, of course, with the $16 million investment. Now, you know, the, the, now that you said that about, um, you know, it's kind of inevitable, 
I wanted I I cut this from the rundown, but I'm I'm just downloading my bookmarks real quick because I, I had something bookmarked that Chelsea Manning had retweeted. Somebody wrote it was like a, a Buckminster Fuller uh quote. Okay. That I thought was interesting and kind of fits the conversation we're having now. But let me uh oh, all right, here we go. Now it's set up. Like I was saying, Buckminster Fuller, this is a very interesting quote. Chelsea Manning, who's uh very sweet on Twitter. She uses a lot of emojis. It's funny because it's somebody that technologically, you know, inclined, but was imprisoned for, you know, a, a good portion of, of the, the social media explosion. Yes. Right. Uh, so it's funny. She uses a ton, just a ton of emojis. It, it, it's sweet. But anyway, so she retweeted somebody who um, posted this Buckminster Fuller quote. And I, I think it's germane to what we're talking about. The quote is, we should do away with the absolutely specious notion that everybody has to earn a living. It is a fact today that one in 10,000 of us can make a technological breakthrough capable of supporting all the rest. The youth of today are absolutely right in recognizing this nonsense of earning a living. We keep inventing jobs because of this false idea that everybody has to be employed at some kind of drudgery because, according to Malthusian Darwinism theory, he must justify his right to exist. So we have inspectors of inspectors and people making instruments for inspectors to inspect inspectors. The true business of people should be to go back to school and think about whatever it was they were thinking about before somebody came along and told them they had to earn a living. <laughs> My which, brain just exploded. Well, which I like that idea. It makes sense to me. And like you're saying, it I, is in, in automation and, and technology. It is inevitable that jobs are going to go away. I mean, I to I 100% love that quote. Me too. That I, totally agree with that and we the problem is we're approaching a paradigm shift right now yeah and i think our generation is going to be the first to realize this as we've grown up in an era where we get out of college we don't have the jobs there our con the economy is shit for us to get into the world and we're our struggles making us realize we can't define ourselves by the work we do we have to define ourselves by who we are right well as much as the the rest of the you know it's interesting as much of the rest of the world is like that especially france mm -hmm. countries in europe that is something that I think people argue again. It's not saying you don't work hard or you don't have a work ethic or you don't uh, try to do you something have or have priorities. goals. But right, but at a certain point, we're going to get to a point where you should just be able to kind of do what you like to do, as opposed to, you know, what you have to do because you have to, like you said, this drudgery, this yeah. kind of make a living. When the reality is, it's going to be a lot of the, just the labor jobs can be done. By machines, obviously. And, why? Why would you bother doing it a different way? And and not to sound too communistic here, but the drudgery and job system kind of becomes just to maintain a class structure where you keep, where you keep people down based on the quality of their education, what they've done, and it yes. just keep maintains a class a rigid class society. Which definitely, which I think you know, not to discount racism or systemic racism or anything like that, but I think we're often overlooked is a classist situation like a lot of the issues de definitely there's there's issues of race and and so many other things but classism is a is a thing that is never mentioned uh that i think is a a well that's not you true. just that, especially that, that because was of, mentioned for a while because they were saying class warfare class warfare yeah but i think and then that disappeared well right but that was around occupy wall street time yes. if you really want to think about it. but they're addressing the problem of of wealth inequality that's really yeah. what it is this disparity in wealth and that's a classist issue you could be you know a millionaire but when you're around billionaires they're like get the fuck get out of here yeah you're nothing yeah so it's that type of society i think that we're living in now more than ever and um you know we can it can go one of two ways i think with automation it can go with all right 
everybody's free now kind of thing. No, or it's going to be, well, yeah, we could let you be free, but, and then it's going to get worse. You know, people yeah, are going to be even starving. more demeaning. Well, and in the past, you've talked about, oh, why, why don't people just go back and farm and do go back to more yeah. of a, that's, that type of thing. And I don't really, I think that would just maintain the classes. That would just really keep, keep certain people down and that would make. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's not like a super well thought out thing, obviously, but I, I guess in my, you know, utopic theory of the whole thing, it's not necessarily like we're just going to be tilling the fields and doing that type of stuff. But I think you could have a, with the advent of high speed rail, like really high speed rail, the Hyperloop and things like that, you, you can travel to Europe in fucking three hours. You go do something in Europe and come back and, you know, tend to your plants or whatever like you can have a much more local um village kind of you know communities spread out all over the place but then you can also go to like major hubs and, and kind of do the work that needs to be done and whatever I, I think you could you can kind of have a mix of highly technologically advanced with well we're just part of this ecosystem you know what i mean i think it's being more simultaneously advanced while being in touch with the natural world and, and kind of respecting the roots of, of the planet that we are on, you know, the only planet we're going to get that type of thing. But I mean, I don't know I mean, practically how that works. I, I think the one truth that we know is that we are at a, a point in history, which is going to be a total economic shift on the scale of leaving feudalism and going to capitalism. It's going to be a massive, sh- massive shift that we're not ready for. Yeah. And I'm not saying communism is necessarily, necessarily the answer. I'm not a pure communist. I, but if you actually read the, read the communist manifesto, he talks about a time when, Automa- I mean, essentially, automation and machines start replacing the jobs of the workers and the proletariat. And 1917 Russia was not that time. That was a forced issue. That was so we've never seen a true Marxist society. So it's interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, he Karl Marx was a very intelligent man. Yeah, Marx and Engels were brilliant men who definitely saw some truth there. There were flaws and flaws in the writings. But it's interesting to see that I think there is some true... We're approaching that time, and I'm curious to see what happens. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I think we've seen a shift. I mean, definitely we're we're a consumer-driven society in in the United States. But I think you've seen a shift away a little bit from consumerism, although obviously, you know, TVs and phones and, you know, whatever. But I think you're seeing a shift away from it where maybe the products are not going to be physical things. I think... The products are going to be ideas. They're going to be, which America's great at, entertainment mm-hmm. can be great at. I mean, obviously, fucking constant superhero movies is not the, the most intellectually stimulating thing in the world. But I think our um, imagination is is really what we sell to the rest of the world as opposed to, you know, goods and, and services, really, well, you know. Well, yeah. America, America's already there. Or we don't really manufacture things here. Or right. the people don't manufacture things. We have the... I mean, anything that's manufactured here is through automation. Right. So we're our, our biggest assets are our minds, clearly, because we're allowed to have this edu- this high education. But at the same time, we're seeing Re- the Republican Party trying to demonize education, which is our strongest suit. We have great, great higher education in this country. And yeah, well, why I mean, are we trying like, to demonize that and take away our advantage in the world? Definitely not the, be- definitely not the best in the world, but... You know. I, we do... I mean, I think... A lot of our colleges are the best. I mean, we have Harvard. We have we have yeah, yeah, yeah. so many very yeah, but that's a, that's a classist thing as well. I mean, I think you know to an extent, a Harvard okay. education, Ivy League education, is not uh, available to you know just anybody in this country. But at the but, same time, you can go to any countless number of universities yeah. better than is available throughout most of the a lot yeah. of the world. No, for sure. So we do have that advantage, and we have so much higher education. Right. Why are we demonizing that? That is one of our 
best advantage. And people people come from all over the world to go to some random go to some random school. Right. Well, you know, to just to wrap up this point, I think again, I think you're looking at a situation where the global economy is what's caused the cratering of you know wealth and income amongst middle lower class people in this country it's taken away jobs and you're forced to compete with people from countries where people don't have the opportunity to go to a harvard or some random college and they're working for 10 cents a day and that's who you're competing against i think you have an opportunity to keep in place a global economy um you know in a global i think once these walls are down obviously travel is going to become easier you're just going to become more interconnected with the rest of the globe as far as an economy is concerned as far as probably government is concerned eventually at some point you're gonna have like a one world kind of situation but i think you also have the opportunity then to allow people to go back like i said to a situation where you have these local communities and i think that's you know even if there is that kind of gap between the poorest and the most wealthy at least if you give people the opportunity to have community and freedom it kind of lessens that. I think the reason why it's such a problem now and you're seeing such a reaction and violence and depression and all this stuff is because people are not only disconnected from their own community, but they're disconnected then from the rest of the world as well because they don't feel like they have access to it or control over it. And I, I think the more localized you can be while maintaining a global economy, the, the better off we're going to be. Well, Failing getting people, uh-huh. you know, the, the what they deserve to be paid to do the work they're doing. But I just... I just I'm latching onto the concept of just like, oh, we need to make these people free. It sounds so rah rah Bush. Let's bring let's bring freedom to these countries and go to war. Oh yeah, no, I mean I'm talking about I, like when I'm saying it, I'm specifically picturing the United States. But right, but I mean, I, I, you know, I'm just laughing. I mean, I just have that internal picture. But at the same time, like part of part of the way to actually get jobs back to America, if that's where if that's the ultimate goal, yeah, improve the living the standard of living in other countries, globalize have a higher global standard of living. That way it's more expensive to to over ship jobs overseas just to bring products back here. Yeah. I mean, if you improve, if you make it more expensive to manufacture overseas. Yeah. I don't know if that's the solution though. I mean, I, mean, I get what you're saying. Definitely. It's not, but it's not practically, it's not practical because yeah, there's always going to be shitty areas of the world. I, that, I mean, we're looking at a situation here where we just talked about it. $70 billion goes to incentivize companies to keep employing people. Mm-hmm. That's such, that's so misguided as opposed to giving them 70 billion, just provide people with a basic standard of living. And then you wouldn't have to force, because if you were, you don't have to force com- companies to keep people employed. If you're providing them a basic income. standard of living, maybe not necessarily in, an income, but a place to live, some food and health care. If you provide that to all the citizens of the United States, then do whatever, not do whatever you want, but you open up the opportunity for these companies to kind of do what they want mm-hmm. to do. And because it's not going to kill people or put people on the street or jeopardize their future. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it just gives people more of an opportunity and it gives the, the it frees the corporations up to kind of do the shit that they want to do anyway. They find a, a loophole to do it now. Um. All right, that was a good conversation. I didn't think we were going to go that direction, but uh, it was good because I had that quote. I cut it out and we brought it back. Nice. That's what we do here on the Mandatory Samson Podcast: improv conversation about Buckminster Fuller. About Buckminster Fuller. That's right. You don't get that anywhere else. Um. I want to bring this up. ISIS in Mosul. Iraqi Prime Minister Haider Al Abadi traveled to Mosul on Sunday to formally reclaim Mosul from ISIS after the militants claimed the city as their caliphate in 2014. That's interesting. That's good news. However, fighting has continued. Obviously, you mm-hmm. got little pockets of people here and there. But 
Mosul has been essentially freed from ISIS. You got to assume a lot of those fighters that fled, even though they took a pact, they made a pact, by the way, to like fight to the death. Bullshit. Okay. They fled the city and they're in Syria. Yeah. People only do that when everyone's looking. Exactly. No, absolutely. Um, well, they're still going to keep fighting in Syria, just not in Mosul. Yeah, but they 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 pledged that that was the caliphate. This is where we're going to be, and they're like, "Oh my god!" And now they and then they left. But anyway, so now they're in Syria. Um, now there was one thing that I found you. interesting, or that it wa- bothered me. The uh, they had dispatched female suicide bombers and other individuals to literally lay there and wait for them to come close, and then they would detonate. Oh, well, yeah. So it's kind of really like, yeah, it, but it's it, it's still it still is a new type of warfare. It's like well, it's, it's so it's, unexpected. Yeah, it it is a new type of warfare. But Matt, you watch the documentary Hypernormalization. I yeah. encourage people that listen to the podcast to watch it as well. Um, it explains where suicide bombing, where this concept originated. And um, but yeah, I mean, it's all we're talking thirty five years you know 35 yeah. 40 years and there are civilians yeah it was late it was late 70s right yeah or, um, or... late 70s yeah yeah but anyway um we keep our eye on it now i do have something that, that we're going to talk about in a second the authorized use of military force which relates entirely to this situation this took way too long well but it's not even done yet but, but let me wrap this up so the u.s budget just so people are aware in iraq 1.2 billion right now is what they're requesting, all oh, right, nice. to help stabilize Iraq, to maintain forces there, whatever we're going to do. Baghdad alone, according to UN estimates, will be a billion dollars to rebuild. That's not included in what they're asking for. Okay. So it's a billion two plus a billion that it's going to take to. Re- so you're talking billions of dollars, years and years of investment. What happened to Flint, Michigan? This is what I don't understand. Trump ran on. Oh, and we have very interesting, very interesting stats at the end of this podcast. A really interesting study uh, involving casualties in military conflicts, uh-huh. voting, a relation between that and voting for Trump. Very interesting. <laughs> Trump ran on a generally anti-war platform. I mean, it's, it might be lip service. I doubted it. But that's what he ran on. And Hillary Clinton did not. She ran on it. We have to continue this. We have to do no fly zones. Hillary Clinton, war hawk. We talked about it a million yeah. times. Um, the, the, wh- where is Trump now on this <laughs> as a guy that ran anti-war and was against getting involved in other we're going to make America great again we're going to focus on our country why, wh- why do we continue to rebuild these other countries which I understand I guess at a certain point is our responsibility considering we're the ones that fucking broke it but at what point do you start again talking about rebuilding Flint our infrastructure you don't hear any of this stuff again he's kind of mired in all of these scandals but that's what he should be talking about and that's what Democrats should be talking about I keep saying it I keep cautioning I keep warning the Democrats do not have a platform the Democrats are not out there talking about what they're going to do they're just talking about how bad Trump is Okay. That's not going to win you an election. We'll see and you better hope to God they can find some Russia stuff because if they can't Homeboy's getting reelected. I promise you that. So I tend to think, I, I think rebuild, rebuilding Iraq is partly our responsibility. And I think a good example would be to look back to the Marshall Doctrine after World War II. If we want that, that country to stabilize, if we want a region to actually be, become stable and stable, like, 
whether they'll become stable is uh-huh. and a European level it's a, it's a, is it's, up for debate. But it's a fool's errand. If, if we don't invest in anything, then they're just going to devolve into more chaos, and that then I mean that leads to more, us spending more on wars. No, you, uh, absolutely, but I, completely. I I just the problem is I don't think that. <laughs> it, it's a double it's a double-edged sword because the united states does need to be involved in rebuilding needs to be part of the process but the fact that the united states is rebuilding and part of the process keeps the animosity going so whether we're, we're damned if we do damned if we don't i think we're probably better off being there only because when you pull out you see that there's just a power vacuum and it goes back to these kind of tribal conflicts that have been going on for thousands of years but make no mistake about it the united states is not necessarily helping the cause, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, it's a necessary evil, I guess at a certain point, but it's not super helpful. Well, and the problem is we need to find a way to keep investing in them, build the country back up and stop the wars. We need, I mean, well, but yeah. the military industrial complex is at such a point where the wars are self becoming self-sustaining. And I'd rather, ideally I'd like to spend, okay. It's a jobs we, program. I mean, the, the, uh-huh. keeping these wars yeah. going is a fucking jobs program. I mean, ideally I'd say, okay, we spend a few billion now, which I mean, let's be honest, on the scale of the no, U.S. I, budget, what a billion is becoming like a meaningless number. We you, keep saying billion here, billion there, and just they get thrown around. You know, I don't even think the I literally don't even think that that matters. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather spend that spend that now, try to stabilize a region, than spend trillions on a, on a war in the future. But that's not going to happen because we're going to keep these wars going, and I hate it. Yeah, well, and I don't. That's the thing. I don't. We're not. We're not real. We talked about it when. It was originally brought up under the Obama administration to go in and take out ISIS and, mm-hmm. and attack them and do all this stuff. If you really want to do it, send in a hundred thousand troops and get it done in a week. Yeah, you know, be done with it. Don't nibble, which we are doing. There's four thousand more troops going to Afghanistan. There's five thousand troops in Syria. It's a little amount of troops, which you're just going to keep, like you said, Matt, perpetuating this this kind of constant war because you're going to gain a little bit. You're going to lose a bit, a little bit. You're going to gain a little bit, but you're just going to keep it going. Yeah, and you do that for fifty years. Yeah. If you send in a hundred thousand troops, you're gonna win, you were going to win the war, but the question becomes then, what do you do after, and is it our responsibility? I mean, we this is what you're seeing. I mean, we did ocu- occupy Berlin after World War II. There were occupied regions in Europe. Yeah, but nowadays Europe yeah, but that's is such a stable. A sta- it's a different such war. a different yeah, story it, because there's so many. First of all, there was a clear loser in that war, right? The, that was an actual. This is this side versus this side. Very clear. And once one side won. Okay, now everybody's like, all right, we have to figure it out. We got to put things back together. That's not what's going to happen. And that's not what has ever happened in the Middle East where you go, okay, yeah, you got us. It's like, all right, you got this round. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Like, it just fucking keeps going because they it's keep not, on redrafting new teams. Because it's not a battle of, they do, it's not a battle of um, economies or. Ideology. It's a religious battle, really. I mean, when it when it gets down to it, which is what concerns me when you have people like Mike Pompeo and different people in our government, Rumsfeld, Cheney, they were putting Bible verses on battle plans and all this stuff. That's <laughs> where it becomes, well, this can literally never end until one side wins. Well, like yeah. annihilates the other side. I mean, you say it's a religious battle, and yes, that's the, that's the, excuse, that's the excuse used, but every war is ultimately about power, and ISIS... They're going around killing, raping people, and destroying mosques. Yeah, they're claiming it's a caliphate and it's all about the religion, but no, it's about they want power. So every war is about it's just a they power want story. power, but they want to they want the power that they believe is given to them by their god, and that, that the Sharia law shit, all this stuff, like that comes from somewhere. I understand that it is if you just strip out the the mystical bullshit of it, it is just you know a dictatorship or whatever you want to call it, authoritarianism, but. 
I have to take these people at their word on a certain level. I'm a little bit more cynical that I think these people, yeah, they might, maybe they maybe they truly do believe in the religion, but at the end of the day, they have the ego to say, if you have the ego to say, I am the, ves- I am the vessel carrying God, I'm the arm of God. Yeah. You're an ego, you're an ego, egomaniac, egomaniacal dictator. Yeah, but that's another, you know how many it, people in this country are like that? You're seeking power. That's Not that they're seeking power, but they go, well, God, you know, God speaks to me. Priests, God speaks through me. The Pope. No, whatever. no, no, no. Uh, yeah, absolutely. No, 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 it's not. They're God's answer. direct intercessor on earth. That is what the Pope is specifically, and that's a priest. Yes, and he's a great example of that. He's one of the best popes. Yeah, but he doesn't but really he's believe not it. That's violent. Why. He doesn't oh, believe Jesus it. That's Christ. why. What this conversation? But, but also, let's look at the papacy. The papacy. He doesn't where give a shit. Throughout oh, history, he doesn't. Been, throughout history, the pope, the papacy has just been a powerful office. It yeah. been, Sorry, pope. It has been ambitious men didn't go there to be got to be. I forgive you, Joey. That he's got to forgive you. I'm that fine. That is my pope impression. But historically, there have been historically there have been orgies in the Vatican. You can't tell me that that is about the religion. No, that's just a man wanted to seek the power. Oh, hundred percent. So and orgies are fun. You know, I wouldn't. No doubt unfortunately, about I don't actually know if they are fun. I've never. Oh, you should have one. They're great. How does your wife feel about this? She's involved. How oh. dare you talk about my wife like that? Uh, I've only seen one, and that was the Matrix, and it was Pauly Dunn. Yeah, was that? I mean, it was like a rave. It was like a sexual rave. I don't know what You're the talking fuck about it was. Matrix Two, yeah, where they're in the Zion, caves. yeah, Zion cave, yeah, yeah. They were implying a lot of sex, but they weren't showing any. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty weak. Wachowskis, all right, get your so, shit together. Um, all right. Here's what I want to talk about. Yes. Now, this again, this is another thing, not been talked about, and I feel like it should at least be mentioned or part of the conversation. But I feel like, you know, we talk well, about... But this is long time coming. This is yeah. like fucking decade old coming. Te- television news does not want to talk about this stuff because it's not news, it's entertainment. Two Thursdays ago, June 29th, the House Appropriations Committee approved an amendment to revoke the 2001 authority for then-President George W. Bush to retaliate militarily for the September 11th attacks. It has since been used to justify Iraq, Syria different conflicts in Yemen, Somalia, anything that the United States has done militarily since 2001, they've used the AUM at the authorized use of military force, the 2001 authority that they gave to Bush to justify absolutely everything they did on Wednesday. Barbara uh-huh. Lee met with house speaker, Paul Ryan to discuss a potential replacement AUMF because they were able to, in the appropriations committee revo- revoke it. Now this has to go to the Senate. They're not going to they're not going to complete the revocation of it, but hopefully some kind of deal can be worked out. And let me tell you this, mm-hmm. Barbara Lee introduced this amendment to revoke the 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 use of military force authority from two thousand one. She's the only congressperson, and we played the clip, I think, on September eleventh, either this year or the year before mm-hmm. on this podcast. She's the only congressperson not to vote for the use of force in two thousand one. The only one. Yes. And she's the one that's bringing the amendment, and good for her. Time has shown that she was right. Oh, 100%. And she was pained by it. We, we played the clip yeah. where she's like, I've spent days crying for my country. I, like, the September 11th attacks affect me the same way that they affected everyone else. But we need to be rational here. We need to look at this objectively. And she was the only one that voted against it. And she was correct. Um, and you know what? Here's the thing. Maybe you do attack Afghanistan, although it turns out that bin Laden's in Pakistan. But... Iraq is what they were really driving at, and that's the real disaster of the mm-hmm. whole thing. Um, this is, again, something the Democrats should be out talking about. When they bring you on to talk about Trump Jr., talk about Trump Jr. and go, hey, by the way, 
the 2001 AUMF, if Democrats really want to get something done and prevent Trump from damaging the world, revoke his power. <laughs> Take his ability to wage war away. Yes. That might be the, the place to start. Absolutely. and Because I, he used it to justify the bombing in Syria, yes. the Moab bomb, all the shit. Yes, he has already used used it. Do you know how many times this measure has been invoked? No, uh, no, thirty-seven times. Okay, right. So that is thirty-seven times that an act of war was done by the president without the uh, Congress. Yeah, right? you don't need Congress. Is the only one it. who declares war, I believe. Well, That's no. in the Constitution. Yes, definitely. But this, you're right. And but this is the problem when you leave open because when you're fighting a quote war on terror mm-hmm. that's open-ended yes. so it's just been going on since 2001 it's probably going to keep going till 2101 and you know they can just then that usurps the power of the congress and gives to the president now let's be honest congress people don't really give. i mean the senate obviously doesn't give a shit because they're not going to actually revoke the thing they're happy to let the president take the fall for all this stuff when it's something that seems justified they go ow yes we applaud you he became president tonight he bombed presidential he's fucking presidential unbelievable and then when it goes bad they go well i mean that's it's an it's our power it's supposed to be our power it's they can play that game take responsibility oh my god yes I just uh, for, oh. for so Matt, long. Matt, Matt thought I was talking to him. He's like, I came. Yeah, yes, so, I'll take yeah. power. But for I me, mean, for so long, it's just uh, Congress has ceded the ceded power to the presidency. Ever since the end of World War II, ever since the the advent of nuclear weapons, we've been they've been ceding the power to declare war. I mean, the Korea the war in Korea was never declared by Congress. It's a conflict. It's a it's a military. Or it's a it's, <laughs> it's a, a conflict. It's a police action. Yeah. And ultimately, we don't have a, the proper balance of powers that you're taught in element in middle school anymore. We don't have that the traditional balance of powers and we need to re- restore that. Right. Well, me and Joey went to Catholic school, so we know who's really in charge, right? Joey, Jesus. Uh, it's a, it's a Trinity. <laughs> it's very hard to explain. Oh yeah. It's, it's a Godhead. I don't want to talk three about and it. One. It's God. But Jesus more importantly, Spirit, yes. I, I believe this might uh, reach into the Paul Ryan thing that you wanted to bring up. You said you had something about Paul Ryan. I had something about Paul Ryan. Yeah. Because he said that this was a huge mistake. Oh Yeah. I mean, this is a huge mistake. No, that's Sean McCain. That's I can't not do, I know. Stupid idiots. Listen, you, you're too if weak. there's one thing I know about war is that it's important and necessary, always. You need to attack your enemies strongly, especially if they tortured you in the hot heat of the Vietnamese jungle. All right. Sir. Sir? They're having McCain? a flashback, so... Don't talk to me. And then he uses a racial slur. All right. Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily. Yeah, Paul, of course, Paul Ryan thinks it's a mistake, but he's meeting with Barbara Lee. So we'll see what they talk about. They're going to reorganize the military, the for you know, the use of for it. I don't think they're actually going to revoke this thing. Yeah. You know what? We're going to we're going to write a we're going to write an amendment. Well, if the president plays Yahtzee what? and he gets Yahtzee, he can drop a bomb. I don't play Yahtzee. Oh, you don't play I Yahtzee. I own Yahtzee's. Oh. Yeah, it's, it was a play on words, Joey. You I got it. it. I saw I've it. had a it very beautiful. difficult week. It's been a tough week for me. It has been. Should we talk about my son, Donald Jr.? Before we do. He's a high quality person. Before we do. I applaud his transparency. Um, Chris and I, as you know, had the break for the two weeks. Oh, are you talking to me, Joey? Yes, yes, President Mr. Trump. Donald Trump. I'm talking to you. Sure. Oh, Joey, what the fuck? What'd you do? <laughs> I just wanted to mention to you that I really enjoyed the tweet that you tweeted of you. Really? Beating Which one? Up CNN. I sent so many. The CNN one. 
Oh, you like that, Jerry? Yeah, that was Vince. You know that, right? Like 20 years ago, you were on a wrestling show. It was CNN, Jerry. Oh, okay. I hit them with the rock bottom, and it was wonderful. Look, people that were blaming me saying it's an implicit call to vibe, it isn't. That's silly. You know that. But the fake media, yeah. they're a problem, and sometimes you need to hit them with the clothesline. It's that simple. Thank you for taking control of the situation, Mr. President. That's what I do. Law and order, President. This American carnage will stop. And on July 30th at SummerSlam, I will send CNN flying over the top rope. And then I will go on to WrestleMania to beat Pocahontas or whoever the Democrats choose to run against me. Thank you. Melania, let's go. Line of the century. Thank you, you like Mr. That? President. Like, oh, you I have, love that. You're very welcome. You got it right. The Royal Rumble. You're then a star go to WrestleMania. Oh, you, you did it. Yes. I always do it. I'm a man of my word, and I'm a winner. That's the main thing I need you to know about me. I'm a winner. Even though Don Jr., he's a little bit of a zilch, but we do what we can. Look at Ivanka. Wow. Ivanka, perfect. Couldn't have done better myself, even though I did technically do it myself. Oh. What? No, oh. I, she's my child, Joey. I'm not saying I had oh. relations with Ivanka. I would, but I haven't. Oh. What? You said that in the past. Okay. Well, I'm reiterating. It's but if important. she wasn't your daughter, I believe, was what you said? Even if she was. Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> that, we went off on a tangent. Uh, all right. Don, so, obviously, the big fucking story this week was on Wednesday, Donald Trump Jr. released emails, which he had apparently, based on these this email release, shared with Jared Kushner, his brother-in-law, and Paul Manafort, his uh, the campaign manager of the Trump campaign, even though we totally forgot about him pretty recently. <laughs> as, as soon as stuff came out about Manafort, they're like, who, wait, who's this Paul Manafort you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, he was around. He was the fucking campaign manager. He was on the emails. Oh, so he's the one that has the friends in Russia. Well, yeah. I mean, he definitely had ties to Russia and the Ukraine. And yes, he, he was. Yes. Anyway, Trump Jr. shared uh, released emails between himself and music promoter, this whole fucking thing is so weird. A music promoter? Music promoter Rob Goldstone, in which Goldstone tries to set up a meeting between Trump Jr. and a, quote, Russian government attorney who has, quote, very high level and sensitive information, but is part of Russia and its government support for Mr. Trump. The emails go on to say, to provide the Trump campaign with some official documents and information that would incriminate Hillary and her dealings with Russia and would be very useful to your father. Okay. This meeting, which they were attempting to put together, did take place June 9th, 2016, which is actually my wife's birthday, interestingly. Uh, the meeting took place at Trump Tower. Supposedly, Trump Sr. didn't know that this, was, that going this was going on. That's crazy if you think that Trump didn't know what was going on. It was happening a floor under where he lives. It was like right there. <laughs> Chris, I fully believe that he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's watching the news. That's fine. Let me rephrase. He was aware that this meeting was taking place. Uh, but anyway, do <laughs> you guys have thoughts on this? I mean, well, you know what? Let's get the full picture. Wait, wait, because- before we do anything, all right. Mr. Trump, question. Yeah, Jerry, shoot. I'm going to give you a quote that your own son said, and I want you to respond to it. There wait, was n- give me a second. Yes. Okay, go. There was nothing to tell. I mean, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't even remember it until you started scouring through this stuff. It was literally just a wasted 20 minutes, which was a shame. Totally. Here's a high quality. First of all, thank you to Sean Hannity for being the only real journalist in this godforsaken hell pit that we call American media. My son is a high quality person. Okay, look at him. 
he golfs, he's my son, he's related to Ivanka, and I applaud his transparency. I mean, what else do you want? He said it was nothing, it was nothing. I believe him. I mean, and again, I didn't even know that this was a thing that was happening, but I totally believe him. He's never lied to me. Not once? No. No. Absolutely not. He lies to Melania. I'll tell you that. Uh, uh, what? That I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I literally just said it. There's no implication. He lies to Melania. She said, did you eat the cookies? He goes, no, I didn't eat the cookies, but he ate the cookies. We all know he loves oatmeal or the chocolate chip. He eats the cookies. Melania, she doesn't know. It's okay. We shield her. They're women. You know. Uh, Me and Putin. We don't have bad days because we're not women. God. Um, all right. What... Let me read. So again, yeah, so, so, so Jesus, I, 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 the more it's like Gollum, you know, you put the ring on and the yes. more you have it on, the more evil you become. Yeah. The more I play Trump, the more I just want to stay yeah. Trump. Yes. You understand yeah. his logic. Well, it's in, it's intoxicating. You can say whatever you want. People want to talk shit about Trump, but it must be so fucking freeing to be Donald Trump. I mean, you have more money than anybody, really. Yeah. You have so much money. You say whatever the fuck you want. You run the world. I mean, it's just exhilarating. And one thing leads to another. Grab him by the pussies, whatever you want to yeah. do. Get Billy Bush fired, I become president. That's how my life is. It's charmed. One fish, two fish. Red fish, blue fish. Something, something. The guy that made the CNN gif hates Jewfish. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> What do you, so Julian Assange got involved in this whole Donald Trump Jr. thing. He, in a series of tweets, said this. Contacted Trump Jr. this morning. What? Why is Julian Assange? This is <laughs> the first thing in all of this. Where I'm like, what is what, what What's going on here? Contacted Trump Jr. this morning on why he should publish his emails, example, with us. Two hours later, does it himself. I argue that his enemies have it, so why not the public? His enemies will just milk isolated phrases, excuse me, for weeks or months. Who's he referring to as enemies in this context? The, the media. media. Is it, though? Or is it just his enemies in the media? Oh, it might be individual personalities right. in the media. Okay. Okay, fine. With their own content spin and according to their own strategic timetable, better to be transparent and have the full context. At nine o'clock for the advertisers. Yeah. But would have been safer for us to publish it anonymously sourced. By publishing himself, it is easier to submit as evidence. He surely had advice and or is confident on the facts. I'd argue that even the completely innocent need WikiLeaks. It's interesting. This is the bit, first bit, and we got an email actually at the end from someone from Scotland. Who was it? Damon from Scotland. Nice. He was asking about um, this exact thing. So, I mean, we'll read his email at the end, but this is kind of getting into it. This is the first thing really that I've seen Assange where it's like it appears that he's on Donald Trump Jr.'s side for some reason. Now, he's either on his side because... No, 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 no. I, I, I disagree with that. He's on the side of making available all the information. So he's saying, instead of people uh, cherry-picking or dictating what is being said, publish the full account, and you know what? I have the service where the whole thing would be published. It's on the up and up. Come by, drop your email. Everyone yeah. can see it. Well, yeah, but it's it's right. But he's but he also solicited Trump Jr. to do that. He was like, listen, what he's saying is essentially he got in touch with Trump Jr. and was like, listen, if you're gonna put this shit out, do it through us because then you don't have to say it's you. We can put it out anonymously, and then you know it just appears because now he's he essentially he's trying to keep Donald Trump Jr. from getting in trouble for putting it out, which is odd. 
You see, that's not how I read this. I read it more as this is Assange self-promoting his website. I think this is okay. I think this is a self-promotion for good. Like I'd love least. for that to be the case. Yeah. Kind, I mean, it, I understand entirely why he would say that. I don't think there's any. I mean, yeah, it it is factually probably better for him to put it out through WikiLeaks, where right. it comes out anonymously and everything, everything he says it. is true. And, I also kind of read it. I, I hope that's the case. Again, I, I've never been on on the side of like. Well, Assange is just colluding with. I don't think he's colluding with anybody. I think he is more a self promoter, like you're saying, to an extent. Also, I think he's kind of he's an internet kid. He grew up with the internet. He loves all this stuff. I think he's a bit of a troll sometimes. I think he likes to get involved. He's stuck in this fucking embassy. I think it's entertaining to him to get involved in these conversations. I think he likes the fact that people can't really pin him down, and he knows the information he's putting out is accurate, so he knows they can't do anything to him more than what they're already doing. Um. I don't know. I, I think it'd be interpreted to be sort of, he's not trying to choose anyone's side. He's saying, hey, I got a spot you can release this and it's probably better PR if it comes out through this way. Right. It's not, I mean, if you, granted, that also could be looking at it in a bubble and if you look at it with with the with the view that he is colluding with, with Russia, then sure. Like, But depends what, if you view this independently or view through a lens, it, you'll see it differently. I also kind of took it as that he, I think, I feel like he's seen these documents already. <laughs> Like the how fa- though? Why? Well, why would he? How would he know? Oh, you think the Russians had the copies of them and showed? I, I don't know what it is, but I, but to me, it just seems like why? How would? How would he really know what was in the doc? Like, why would he get in touch with Trump Jr. and say, put them out through WikiLeaks anonymously so they can't be used as evidence against you? It means he has to know about it. He has to know something about what's in those documents to begin with, right? Well, well wasn't this after the documents had already been? After the email chains had been discussed, and after he had already been discussed that he had this meeting, right? Yeah, but he's saying that he talked. He said two hours later he released the documents himself, so they weren't out yet. Nobody knew that these documents even existed until Trump Jr. kind of put them out. There was rumors of a meeting or whatever, but nobody knew that there was emails confirming it. Well, I thought. I mean, I thought he had sort of publicly made the gaffe and said that he, oh yeah, like I had, we had this meeting, and then. It sort of snowballed, and then right. I guess, yeah. I, I mean, I think Assange is just—he can just assume. Right? Yeah, I mean, everyone assumed that there's going to be email. Like they didn't cover the paper trail well. No, look, no, they didn't cover the paper. Look, they forwarded look, it look. to everybody. Look, let's be honest. Uh huh. What Donald Trump Jr. fucked up on is he should have called Hillary and said, "Hillary, mm-hmm. how do I delete these emails?" Good one, Jay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. It is amazing though that <laughs> she figured out how to delete no, emails that and no one can find them. Well, that there's more email related shit it's like what does it matter with you guys it's like have a phone call <laughs> everyone's fucking it up don't email don't put it in print. no you can't do the phone call because the nsa is recording it all fucking so if you're encrypt going, your shit if you're going to they have, don't know what that means i know well i know they don't if you're going to do something that might be questionable go there in person how about not do it absolutely right just send, send somebody just send a courier with a met with a amorosa note. send amorosa over there <laughs> let her do it what that's like trump's buddy amorosa he loves amorosa jesus christ Hey, uh, I don't know. I was going to say, we're, we're, I feel like we haven't heard from anybody else in the administration in so long. Like Rex Tillerson. Where, where is this guy? He said, where oh, is, no, no. Where's the, Ben Carson? Where's Nikki Hale? Where are all these people? Well, they're um, trying to shut everything down. They're there was to- something with Tillerson recently. Well, yeah, one where said one pissed. thing. Right. No, no. He said something and Trump directly contradicted yeah. him about the... Ah, uh, shit. What was it? It was something stupid. Oh, it was about a meeting. They had a meeting, and they were in the same room with Russia or somebody, 
And Trump said it wasn't discussed, and Tillerson said it was discussed. Oh, yeah, but that wasn't that recently. That was like a month ago. Oh, is that long yeah, ago? Yeah, oh. something I read recently about Tillerson was that he was kind of pissed that Trump isn't letting him do what he wants to do. Who, who the fuck knows? But I feel like you never see any of these people. Well, that's... All like, I just said Omarosa, and I was like, where the hell is everybody else? I haven't seen no. Omarosa either. I mean, I think Omarosa is more behind the scenes anyways. I don't yeah, think she's yeah, ever yeah. been a public face. But I, I mean, they're so crazy. Why they're not? trying to shut down press conferences. They're yeah. trying to keep the media out. They're trying to be as quiet as possible because right. they're trying to control every part of the media. They're trying to control the news cycle, which... Yeah, but obviously they're not going to be able to do that. I mean, they're able to control the, media, the, the news cycle because the news, again, it's an entertainment cycle, and, and they're just... Well, we're, I mean, the news is where the battleground for our democracy is occurring right now, and they're trying to they're trying to go take autocratic rule over. I guess like just don't watch it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just don't watch it. I, I feel like I'm able to get good information. Yeah, I feel like we're presenting. I feel like we're presenting good information. Yeah, but you're not. Everybody. Yeah, but that's. I mean, but think of I how guess, m- but there's ways to do it. But you know, but don't believe everything you read. Google it quick. Look. You Do get you find a, another listen, source? Listen, if you, if you want true change, get your fucking time machine. We go back to Occupy Wall Street. We fucking find Bernie Sanders and we throw him in the fucking middle and go, okay, we have what you need. Let's do this. Yeah. You missed it. Well, yeah, but they didn't want leader. We talked about that. I know. You know, that was part of the problem with Occupy Wall Street. It's a noble thing to not have leader, but the human microphone thing, it's like. Yeah, that failed. It's well, it's interesting as a concept, but then it has to go somewhere. That's like a good organizing principle that everybody has a voice on stuff, but you do need somebody to be the figure. Yes, you need an organizer, and that's what the Democrats don't have at the moment is someone organizing the youth to go, you know what? We don't want Donald Trump be able to use the authorization. We don't want this health care bill that's going to go through. Yeah. There's no jobs. Yeah. But they're not doing anything. All you hear is uh, tweeters tweeting something about CNN again. I know. Yeah, I know. And by the way, I tw- I was on vacation when this happened, the CNN thing, but like, it, objectively, it's funny. <laughs> yes, it is. You know what I mean? Like, it's ridiculous, of course, but but he, sh- he, we all agree he shouldn't be the president, right? He's not qualified to do it. He's bad for the country. It just doesn't make sense that he's got in there. But that gif is funny. Now, I understand, and I do think it is in a, a, um, a tacit, call to violence essentially because it is literally violence he's 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 clotheslining cnn <laughs> but it is funny i mean you know what i mean it, it's it, it's stupid so you have some sense of humor about it other than the fact that like oh no the the president is an absolute asshole uh just all right you gotta let some of these go but that's what i'm talking about it's the boy that cried wolf all the time and instead of doing that talk about issues talk about single-payer health care talk about rebuilding flint talk about you know any number of things the number one thing should be flint it really should be well that could be done that should be able to be handled that should be done already that should have been done long ago no 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 but that should be the rallying call of course it it should be like you know what we have detroit michigan jobs yeah flint's right there yeah fucking jobs right bring everybody home fix what's wrong here then you can go out to all these other countries and spread true democracy. I, I totally agree. And it's, it's again, I mean, it was something that we talked about when Hillary ran. Of course, gay rights, transgender issues. We're done all, with all that. Of this stuff. No, but it's we're all. not done with it. But you already have those people. You already have those groups. It doesn't mean that you discount 
their struggle and you don't help and you don't actually try to pass legislation, do whatever you can to, to help them. But you have them already. You need to get an actual message together for people you don't already have. And part of that is, yeah, rebuilding Flint, Michigan. Uh, in the comments, I, I got to find the guy's name. Because he always comments. He listens to the show all the time. And he's always talking about how... Um, hold on, let me find it. He's talking about how black people are just not going to vote for Bernie Sanders. And I go, but wouldn't you? Wouldn't it be better to vote for Bernie Sanders, maybe somebody that you don't 100% believe in or trust or whatever, as opposed to Trump getting reelected uh-huh. and he was like no <laughs> which i don't agree with and i think is silly like stop you can't agree with somebody necessarily a hundred percent of the time but you already have this this social liberal base you got to go get more people and you do that by talking to actual problems uh, yeah you and, know and you vote for the lesser of all evils yeah and well, well you can well, you don't have to but i think the debate that bernie really opened up is a fundamental debate of what government should be doing and for years we've been with the neocons now the democratic party going farther to the right has gotten to the point where we're the like it's, it's we're cyprus st- by we, the way we're just supporting the milis- military industrial complex the, the governments sorry oh, sorry oh, man. Oh, yeah. oh, the government is just there to prop up the prop up billionaires and give more tax breaks to corporations and give more money to carrier Right. Where Bernie's saying, "Why isn't this government? Ta- why isn't this taxpayer money going to improve the lives of the citizens?" And that, oh, that, that's that's what the debate is. Why aren't? Because let's be honest, the money for to fix Flint, it's a tiny fraction of the federal budget. I can. That's what I'm saying. It should, it could be done already. It's you, you no problem. Take, it's sixty million dollars. You can fix it. You would take uh, like one one millionth of percent of the military budget and fix right. Flint. Right. Think about that. No, hundred percent. Why, why has that not been done yet? declare a state of emergency, say, okay, we're going to give you the money. Here you go. Help your people. It's because there's no po- no political incentive because they're meaningless to the actual political elite. Totally. They don't provide power. They don't provide votes. Here, this was a comment that Cyprus made that I was referring to. It wasn't okay. about Bernie Sanders specifically, but I guess last episode I, I said um, I don't think necessarily it's a good idea to run Elizabeth Warren because of the sexism in the country. I think... As a factor, I mean, there's a number of different factors, but like as a factor, I think it's risky, too risky to run her maybe against Trump because there is that that factor of people. Sometimes guys are just not going to vote for a woman no matter what. And I think that it's too dangerous maybe to run her and risk Trump getting reelected. And Cypress comment that he goes so broish and sexist to say not to run a woman because there's a bigot on the other side. The definition of cowardice. This is why minorities and women will never overwhelmingly vote for Bernie. He uses identity politics as a weapon to dismiss other people's voices. It's not sexist. It's strategy. I'm not saying it's right that a woman couldn't get elected. I'm not, I would vote for Elizabeth Warren. That's not what I'm saying. I voted for Jill Stein. What I'm saying is get him out of office. This is not the time to be like, you know, taking a moral stand against, you know, uh, identity politics, whatever. Like who, so I can't, this is my exact quote. I go, it's not bro. It's your sex. It's strategy. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying we saw how Hillary was affected by this in the last election. I think it's more important to get Trump out of office to feel, uh, than to feel good about running another woman. By the way, I'd fully support Elizabeth Warren regardless and lose. This is part of the problem with liberals lately. All of these things are valid issues to varying degrees, but the only way to actually affect change at a certain point is to get people elected, which 
The Tea Party did. Yes. They got people in, uh, elected. Liberals don't. This is what I keep talking about with these fucking special elections. Oh, we got within four points. Great. That's a loss. I understand, but it's a loss. He continued. He goes, you just don't get how this mentality will never fly with people of color. It's like going on an interview and you not getting the job because the hiring manager will not know how their racist clients will react. That's not like that. That's totally different. We already know how people will react to a woman running for president. We saw it already. And this maybe isn't the time. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying maybe don't do it. He continues. This happens every day. Black people ain't, isn't, and will not put their issues on the side to appease bigotry. How it's not appeasing bigotry to run a candidate that will defeat the bigot. Don't, don't you get that? That's what's frustrating. I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But it's not the same. It's not It's not the same as going on a job interview or a black person coming in for a job interview and me being like, mm, I would hire you, but we might have a racist client. Yeah, That's clients, not the same. Uh, That's not the same. Well, I mean, I, I think it's also hard to just compare Elizabeth Warren to Hillary in the sense that, okay, they're both women, but at the same time, if, they were, if the Democratic Party was to run Elizabeth Warren, it would send a very different message where Hillary was appeasing the center, the, is running to the right, running to center. For sure. And the party didn't stand for anything was a lot of the complaint. But correct me if I'm wrong, Cyber. I'm sure you're going to comment. He voted for Hillary. So I, I, I'm still what? I'm still having a disconnect of why he's saying Bernie. In what way is he having identity politics and dismissing people's opinions when he is trying to? He's the one saying he's supporting Black Lives Matter as far as I'm aware. He's yes. supporting all. The, oh, uh, he's absolutely. the only one who's vocally out on these for uh, for these arguments. How I I just. Like, I want to hear the answer. As I understand it, it's because Bernie is not... He's putting the the main issue, which is wealth inequality and corporations essentially running the country, he's making that the priority of the campaign. And he that's the argument of, okay, a rising tide raises all ships. Right. So he wants to... His goal is to raise... Is to increase the size of the middle class and be more inclusive with everyone. And if you strengthen the middle class, it helps everyone. Whereas... Everyone else is just trying to uh, raise the elite and say trickle down economics is going to raise you up. That doesn't work. No. So yeah, he. I mean, is it racist of him to say I'm not targeting black people to try to increase? I'm trying to get everyone into a better situation. Is that? Is I that guess racist? I don't know. Well, we'll see. I mean, he'll he'll, he'll comment. I'm sure, and we'll we'll and, you know we can talk about it next week. And too, I, right? I really I am curious about his opinion. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm we have three white guys in a group here that in a room. Yeah. I we obviously don't have the experience of being a person of color. So right. please tell us that. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean, look, it's not a. Yeah, well, whatever. I mean, we'll see what the what the comment is, and we can always keep having the conversation. Yes, you, you were gonna say something or no? Um, just to take it back to the the whole democratic thing. Um, yeah, and we gotta wrap up with Trump Jr. Yeah, too. yeah, we, yeah. We, of course, yeah. I'm sorry. We're going to today. It, it's just that. Um, I believe fully if we started resolving issues. Everything else will fall into place. The leaders will rise. Somebody will do it. You just need an outline, and that outline needs to be done as quick as possible. Yeah, well, you need a leader to do that. And again, this is the, the issue. I'm not saying that everything less than getting money out of politics, which is the problem, is irrelevant. Right. All these other issues are they're all on the table. And if we got money out of politics and we had publicly financed elections and you didn't have corporations essentially buying and selling politicians, you'd be able to get so much more done. It would feel like a real yes. democracy because it'd be closer to what a real democracy is until that happens. The rest of it, the social issues, whatever, you're going to make incremental change, I think, naturally, because of the way that's the way the culture is going. 
But you're not going to get people elected on that because your side already got all those people elected. Now we have to add more people into the party. And it doesn't mean you go, listen, we pay lip service to the gay agenda or the black agenda, whatever. But that's not getting But that's not right. That's not what I'm saying to do. And that's not how you go about it. But what I'm saying is I think you could catch more flies with. Honey. Well, with the, the, the actual real number one problem. Address that first. It's triaging, right? It's like, okay, he's bleeding out of his carotid artery. He also has a broken leg. Fucking fix the carotid artery first, and then we'll set the leg. Because yes. if you don't, oh well, maybe we'll set the leg well, first. His toenails are die. a little. His toenails are a little long too. Let's cut his toenails. Let's do, oh, he bled out. You need to fix the main problem first. Yeah, you don't, you don't treat the symptoms. Right. So, well, not even the if there's that's the thing. I'm not even saying that. There's multiple problems. Yeah. I'm not disregarding that. The broken leg is a problem, but it's not going to kill you yet. So the, the fucking carotid artery bleeding out is going to kill you. That, this, that's the way that I'm looking at all of this stuff. Well, well, so I'm hearing a bit of a mixed message from you, and I'm having I'm torn in the same way of... So on one hand, you're saying that we should be running someone who can get elected, which you're saying is more the Hillary... More the, the centrist candidate. No, I'm saying we run somebody that runs on the real issue. The, okay, so you're, you're saying you do go... You do take the risk and put someone with an actual message out there, like a Warren, like a Bernie Sanders. If Elizabeth Warren is the person that's going to be saying we need to... Close Citizens United. We need to do this and so that, like really address that money out of politics. Then yeah, then that's who it's got to be. You need to run the most progressive liberal person you can this next election. And then if and, it doesn't work, then whatever. Then you got to recalibrate because you got Trump for eight years anyway. Well, and this will be the yeah, and this will be the year that everyone like. There's so many people who are just we need anyone but Trump that. If they run someone on a real democratic message, this that might didn't be the work time. the first time. It won't work again. You can't do anyone but Trump. Well, Agreed, right? But that's not what that's not but what I'm saying. But I'm saying he, now is the time to take someone and have a real message, have a real stance, yeah, and really define we are the part. We are. Let's build on FDR's legacy. Let's build upon this legacy. Let's take it, build up the middle class. Well, right, because it's sort of like the, the Democrat again. It, it's it's just a, a function of what the Democratic Party supposedly is, where it's this big tent and everybody's welcome. That that is great, and that's you know, important that it's an inclusive thing and people can feel like they're a part of it. But at a certain point, you have to define specifically what you are. You can't just keep saying, well, we're, we're everything. No, but that's nothing then. You need to be specifically for a few different things. Trump ran on a few different things. The fucking wall. He ran on immigration. Yeah. Uh, infrastructure he paid lip service to and like not intervening overseas. That's it. He didn't run on much more than that. And... When Bernie ran on a few things, and he like this complete underdog who was supposed to do nothing, totally almost stole the stole the nomination. It's, yes, from from a system that was designed for him not to be able to do that, he almost and, did it anyway. He spoke to people in the middle of the country. He spoke. Yeah. He spoke to. He spoke to the union worker. He's right, and it's. I mean, yeah, we. It runs back to the question: like, what has the Democratic Party stood for for years? If you had run someone other than Lieberman with Gore, oh, do we have? Do we have? Is a Bush presidency never happened? Probably. Yeah. I mean, we keep trying to run to the right while the Republican Party is running farther to the right. Right, and it what? works every time. Trump is the farthest right in terms of rhetoric. Although, again, not really though, right? It's like he mixed in a lot of. Uh, he just had a whole mixed message, but that's fine. Run a real person. That's really what the point is. Well, at, Bernie Sanders, at the end of the day, is a fucking real person with a real point. Run at, him. At this point, the Republican Party doesn't stand for any policy. They stand for winning, and de- the Democratic Party stands for. Oh, we have this hodgepodge of attempted policy, but they're right. become known as losers. Yes. And it's Well, like, they are. They are. They yeah. find a way to fucking lose when they should win. And yeah, the Democrats are definitely the lesser of evil, uh, lesser of two evils, but 
the Republicans are just lie, gonna lie and get elected, and that's they have this whole system around. They're gonna lie and get into office. Yeah. Which yeah, you the politicians liars. Okay, but still, one the, the parties are not equal here. No, 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 they're not. Um, but they're both shitty, <laughs> and they can be better. You know that's the thing. Um, so it's time to run le- run left to counter out counterbalance the Republican party running to the right. Sure. Yeah, 100%, right. Because give people an actual choice. There's two. So if one of the parties is vanilla, don't be French vanilla. Be chocolate. Be the opposite of whatever that is. You know what I mean? Like, stop just act, kind of acting like the other party. Like, well, they're Rocky Road, but we're, you know, we're Rocky Road with coconut. Like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> one extra ingredient. Right. Like, you're being stupid. Be diff. Be the opposite. If they're going that way, you go the other way. This misnomer that there's people in the middle is so dumb. Eventually, people decide. Yes. Right? Every If people that vote, they don't go uh, either. That's not an option. They pick eventually. So be something. Stand for something. Now, do you think that the Republican Party propaganda and Fox News propaganda has done too much damage that we can't actually... That the idea of running someone like Bernie will never uh, no, work in the heartland? No, get more people involved. That's the thing. Bernie would get... And I, I know. It's always Bernie... I really believe the guy when he talks. He, you get more people. Give the guy the real opportunity to go out and do it. Or Elizabeth Warren with Bernie, whatever. But I think, to me, the only option is to run Bernie Sanders. What? Yeah, he let Fox... He They have those people. And They're the, gone. The, the senior citizens, the older vote is going to go Republican. Right, maybe. It's, ti- it's time maybe, to get, maybe They might not like when Bernie. Medicare gets cut. Right. Do, Wait do, for that shit. But do you want to know how to get how to get the youth vote? Do it... Get the youth, uh, the younger people to vote by actually send, having a message that appeals to them. Right. We are handing out 16,000 marijuana lollipops. I personally crafted them. I made them myself, yeah. They are Granny Smith apple flavor marijuana lollipops. My favorite flavor. Apricot, also. Oh, come uh, on. He's a Vermonter. He would be all about the maple, maple syrup. syrup. Maple syrup flavored. Actually, it's maple candy. Oh, we have maple candy marijuana treats for the kids, uh, and we will register you to vote. And also, we will watch the sunset and talk about the universe. All right. Uh, Donald Trump Jr., let me tell you this. Mm-hmm. People throwing around the word treason. Treason specifically uses the word enemies. Russia is an adversary, but they are not an enemy because we are not at war with Russia. Ergo, there is no treason. Now, he does face other potential charges, obstruction of justice, or whatever. He's lied under oath. Did he even lie under oath, Trump Jr.? No. I mean, he just didn't include it on his forms when he... Two years in prison. He's not going to jail. So that actually, lying on those forms actually is 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 perjury because you, you... you do sign like when you sign one of those forms, you okay. do uh, sign under pains of perjury. Okay, so so, but let's be frank here. Nobody with that amount of money is going to jail. It's just not happening. I mean, so uh, with that amount of money and power and connect, he's just not going to jail. So you can forget that. Now, whether they get him on the stand or not uh, in front of a judiciary committee, whatever, we'll see. But I, this isn't. We'll see. Well, it's, it's not reason, though. No, no prosecutions happen until Trump is out of office because at right. the end of the day, there's no point in prosecuting his son because his son's going to get pardoned. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that just, that's a fact. No, that that's is true. so that's awesome. True. Well, and, you know, uh, do I think that this is a smoking... I mean, it's fascinating that it's out there because it confirms that there is... Def- like, 
it says specifically like part of Russia's ongoing, you know, support of your dad and his campaign. Like <laughs> it's very clearly laid it out. So you can't deny that that's a thing. Um, we'll see. You Excuse know. me, Mr. Trump. Why does it literally say that in the email? Like really? Uh, what email, Joey, are you referring to? <laughs> the one your son put out. Which one? Your Eric? son? Eric? Yeah, exactly. Baron? <laughs> Baron doesn't use email. He's a tweeter like his daddy. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, but so anyway, well, I, who knows? Well, we'll so so the crime that could be on the level of treason is espionage if there's any sign that they gave classified information to the Russians. That yeah. espionage is... So that doesn't require... Yeah, but he wouldn't have classified information, though. They do now. Yeah, they do now. Right. I mean, I mean that's, we don't know if it's ongoing. We, we really it, don't know anything. But again, about. this is going to be the slow trickle as the Mueller investigation slowly happens. And it's yeah. going to take a long time. And then if he doesn't get reelected, then it comes out. We'll see. Um, all right. I want to bring this up. Laquan McDonald, um, who was 17 years old when he was shot 16 times by a police officer in Chicago. He had a knife. Uh, the cops shot him 16 times. And we watched the video. We talked about it on the show. Yes. And in their reports, the police were, you know, saying that he brandished the knife at them and he got aggressive. But when the video came out, it was very obvious that was not the case. He was not a threat. They easily could have done anything to subdue him instead of shooting him 16 times. The cop that shot him is um, Jason Van Dyke and three other, sorry, I lost my place. Three other Chicago police officers on scene when Jason Van Dyke shot and killed Laquan McDonald in 2014 have now been indicted on conspiracy, obstruction of justice and official misconduct charges in relation to the reports and the things that they said afterward when they were interviewed, they lied. And then when the video came out, it became apparent that they lied. So now they've been indicted on these charges and we'll see where it goes. Um, that's good, right? I mean, that's that's important because we've seen that a lot in a lot of these, even the Betty Joe Shelby. And we've seen it yes. in almost all these shootings where their account, the cop's account is like... Is that what happened? Yeah, and in, in most cases that goes kind of unnoticed or people, nothing happens about that, but that's horrific because the dead body can't tell you what happened. Uh, and then with all the cops are like, yeah, 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 that he, you know, he, he tried to stab me. He and ran then you see a me. video you're like, oh, that's not what happened at all. Even when you see the video, sometimes they're like, well, yeah, that's kind of what they said. And not, nobody gets in trouble. At least in this situation, they are, you well, know, indicted on these charges. Well, and this is how you actually change the police cult culture where yes. it's so often that, it's the fraternity of police and you have to cover for your cover for your brother. Right. No, if you're going to get indicted, you watch your own ass first. Don't do Don't commit a crime just to com cover up someone else's crime. Right. Well, especially when it's so obviously he shouldn't have shot the kid at all. He shoots him 16 times. Like any number of things could have been done there. And that to your point, like these cops, if they're good cops or have a conscience, they should have turned on the shitty cop that murdered the kid for no reason. Like I understand Correct. that that is, it's a totally different mindset when you're actually in that organization, when you're, you know, you're in a dangerous area or whatever it is. But on a certain level, you got to look past the badge. You're a human being. And that's obviously the wrong thing to do in that situation. Mm -hmm. You are putting yourself at risk as a good, um, you know, air quoting, whatever, good cop, bad a cop. A good citizen. Yeah. When you're being a cop that's following the rules and doing the right thing and actually there to, to protect and serve cops that aren't doing that affect you because then people distrust you even though they shouldn't that's the importance of, of, of being honest and you know pointing out when things didn't go correctly they're supposed to be to protect and to serve right 
And now we have the exact opposite. Which is? Shout Richard Jones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to bring this up, this son of a bitch. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up, me and Joe, we talked about it before, me and Joey, one of our best friends, my best friend, died just about two years ago last week uh, of a heroin overdose. This son of a bitch, this guy, Sheriff Richard Jones, he's in Butler County, Ohio. He is the, uh, in that county, the leading cause of death is drug overdose by That's heroin or fentanyl, all right, which is another... It's an additive that... Horrific it, problem. That, it, yeah, it needs, yeah, I mean, we need to crack out on that shit. There's a drug called naloxone, which is an opioid overdose reversal drug. Literally, if somebody's overdosing on an opioid, you can hit them with, the, I think it's a shot, and it blocks the receptors in your brain so it doesn't accept the opiate, and you don't overdose, you don't die. Jones, who's a vocal Trump supporter, by the way, there was 150 overdoses related to heroin or fentanyl last year in this county. Uh, uh, it just says in the article that it's administered administered nasally. Oh, okay. Just, so you snort. Oh, well, they shoot. It's probably, it's probably nose, just I spray. It goes straight to the blood-brain barrier. I imagine. Got it. Jones, who's a vocal Trump supporter, this is what he has to say. He goes, "My officers don't carry Narcon. Narcon is the like generic name or whatever for naloxone. Nor will they." This Narcon, all it does is save people's lives for another day. Right. Right, fuckhead. That, that is exactly what it's for. You enable these people when you give them this Narcon. Yeah, you enable them to keep living. Jones disagrees with experts who say addiction is disease and is frustrated because, quote, nothing that is being done is fixing the problem. Quote, the life squads, life squads, aren't just going to stop giving them Narcon, but it's pushing the resources out so bad, and our government has no response, they have no cure, they're all too busy. Nancy Reagan, as silly as it might sound, you gotta just say no, and you gotta teach kids, and you gotta start in the seventh grade. Okay, we went through the D.A.R.E. program. It didn't work. That was a just say no program. Oh, Christ. Still did drugs. Still overdose on heroin. And absence-only sex education leads to more, more pregnancies. The, anybody that wants to bring up Nancy Reagan, just say no, is just living in a fantasy okay. world. All right. I'm going to break it down for you. It's very simple. Richard here lives in an economic environment where he believes that the good citizens of the county should not have to pay and be responsible for these dirty dirty heroin addicts yeah. that don't know self-control who right. have no direction in their life and have no purpose okay yeah so if they die off it'd be less money and the county will clean itself up right well, yeah no i mean that's what he's saying of course right and the, it's just he's a, a piece of garbage this yes guy. it's a fundamental he's not protecting and serving it's no. a funda- fundamental misunderstanding of what the problem actually is and it goes back to war on drugs that makes it so okay we're dehuman it's an us versus them mentality and okay th- like they're committing a crime therefore we like they're a subhuman no they just they're having trouble well we also define what a crime is that's the other yeah. thing that's what's fascinating to me about shit like this where it's like mm. well he had heroin he's a criminal or maybe not maybe he's just addicted to heroin let's not forget that heroin was invented a as a medicine point. maybe it's not a crime <laughs> we can choose to define oh he smoked a joint yeah it's not a crime it's okay Sheriff Duterte over there? Yeah. Well, he's he's great. Um, <laughs> he, uh, anyway, th- this bothered me because it was like, you know, I mean, if it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's my, f- my friend would be alive if that thing was on that bus. He'd be alive. And more yes. and more people are getting an ex- having experience with someone they know overdosing or being affected by heroin. It's- well, and also, it's like, how dare this piece of shit sit there and go, well, 
you're just saving their lives for another day. Maybe the next day is the day that they, they go, wow, I almost died yesterday. Let me get into rehab or whatever, whatever the fuck it is. It's not up to this guy who I bet is religious. I would bet my fucking life. This guy is religious. It's not up to you, buddy, to determine whether or not somebody's the next day is going to be there. It's not up to you. I had a question for you. Me what? personally? Yeah. Or Trump? Okay. Uh, no, you, no, you personally. Okay. Or Trump. Maybe Trump could answer it. No, I'm good. Thank okay. You. Thank you. Um, what is the likelihood that one of these poor victims in circumstances couldn't be the one that needs the, their, their day saved so that way the next day they could be one in that 10,000 that makes that revolutionary change? Oh, absolutely. You, you, that's the thing, right? I mean, it, I, I I'm assuming a lot about Richard Jones, Sheriff Richard Jones. Maybe we can find out some information about him. I bet he's a pro-life guy. If I had to uh, guess, oh my God. I bet this guy is a pro-life guy. Uh-huh. Probably any abortion, this son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. I, I bet. That's killing an innocent life. But drug addicts? Oh, you're bad. They had their time. Yeah, exactly right. You made a bad choice. You made bad choices. Fuck you, dude. Fuck off. That because it's such a fun. First of all, just it's fundamentally not human to 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 look at a situation like this and be like, well, they kind of get. Essentially, what he's saying is, you get what you deserve, right? You, yes. You decided to do this thing. You should have not done it. Yeah, of course, right? You should have not done it, but you did do it, and now that's the situation we're in. I mean, it goes to just. Uh, oh, I thought you. I didn't. Know no, no, I, I didn't. I. I mean, I found his official page, but it doesn't really list anything on him. There's, he has no Wikipedia and no... No. He's a loser. Yeah, I mean, he's a sheriff. I don't think anyone really wants to look into his whole life. Are well, we going I, on a class trip, Chris? Yeah. Are we going to Butler County? I really want to know more about this guy. I mean, if you're from Butler County or, or whatever... No, 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 no. Be know anything about this guy? I want to just know is, more about him. Ohio is a very important state. We know what happens when Ohio doesn't vote the right way. Here we go. Hold on. I found something. The man's got it. The man's got it. Good, Matt. You you were saying something anyway. I kind of cut you off. I mean, it just goes back to the the criminal justice system in this country is is all about punishment, not rehabilitation. And we need to rehabilitate these people and make them act, active members of society. Death is punishment. These are still people. It's not. It's not like they've lost their humanity. They're they yeah. Had, they they it, fucked it, up. It, they made a mistake. It, Obviously, heroin is not a great choice. But let's be honest. A lot of this shit. The opioid epidemic is because of quote legal drugs that are prescribed to people, and or getting on drugs as a kid, fucking ADD medication or whatever. It's just like an overprescribed culture. People end up in a bad situation. That's what happens. And heroin was originally marketed as a cure all. It was a this is the greatest thing ever, greatest medicine ever invented. That's how it started. Right. And yeah, it went down a weird path. But it's a, I mean, when it's so horribly addictive and cheap. These people are, it's, it's a problem. We need to, where is it? God damn it. Well, anyway, I can't, find, I'll do a little more research about this guy, but I did see in one of these articles, like as I Googled, where it was like, he's adamantly pro-life. Like, yeah, of course he is. Mm. Of course he's pro-life until it actually is a life. Until and they become like, drug ah, dealers. Fuck yourself. Yeah. Until they're high on heroin. Gotta protect those little babies. There's no way to help them. When they're in that uterus, gotta protect them little babies. Uh, as soon as it's out, and not, not my fucking problem. Mind you, I have to jail them. 
I believe Jesus said that it's uh, everyone's job. I'm going to arrest that little baby as soon as it steps out of line. All right. Good job, Sheriff. 10-4, you fucking cocksucker. I believe Jesus said that it was uh, everyone. It was a sheriff's job to judge people on their sins. Jesus loved sheriffs. He thought that lo- Jesus was the law and order prophet, and he really believed that one fuck up, you're done. You know, that was Jesus' whole thing. He, he, Why, he, but what what happened to the tone in the other cheek and, and, and all of that? I'm pretty sure that's not how Jesus Well, you don't was. really have a chance to do anything because if somebody slaps you, it's the sheriff's job to murder them. He was the seat of Christ. So man. you can't turn the other cheek. It's too late. You turn the other cheek <laughs> to look at dead. it out of your good eye and go, oh, good. I'm glad the sheriff killed that guy. He was in the seat of power, should cast all the stones he wants because fuck yeah. them. They've, committed, they've sinned. Right. Fuck stones. I mean, yeah. shoot them. Just murder them. He, 17 times. You should, should get stoned to death. Right. Yeah. Don't get stoned. You get stoned. It's the double on t- All right. Um, oh, my God. Anyway. Uh, um, so anyway, fuck that guy. We'll do a little more research about it. But that one really bothers me. And it's like, if there's something that can save somebody's life, you should probably do that. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, do we want to talk about this Ashton Kutcher thing quick? Maybe we can discuss it briefly. Yeah, I don't even know if it makes sense, but you 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 want to take a quick break and we'll we'll go over Ashton Kutcher, the emails, and a few stuff. Yeah, let's reassess what we're gonna do here. Yeah. We're gonna come back in a quick second. We are definitely gonna close the program with some emails from Samsonites, and we have a Trump administration odds and ends. Excuse me, but we will figure out what we're gonna talk about in a second. In a second. All right, we had a meeting of the minds. We all went to the bathroom together. And now we are going to talk about the Sashton Kutcher thing real quick. And the reason why I want to talk about it is we don't have to get too in, de- in detail, but th- there's a tweet that annoyed me <laughs> that, I w- that I wanted to read. And I, I, because the language is starting to just drive me bananas. And I finally figured out why it annoys me. And so that's why I want to talk about it. Ashton Kutcher, in the midst of cons- co- uh, excuse me, conversations and accusations of gender bias and harassment involving women in the tech world, Ashton Kutcher waded in, and of course, there was a problem. It backfired on him. Now, Ashton Kutcher, this is what he tweeted, or whatever. He posted on Facebook. I have the, the quote here. He goes, planning on hosting a live open dialogue. And now, yes, did he spell dialogue wrong? He did. About gender equality. <laughs> Wait, what? I didn't He's, notice that part. Wait, what? <laughs> he spelled it. It's all right. Uh, dialogue oh, about Jesus gender Christ. equality in the workplace and in tech in general with my fellow partner from Sound Ventures, Effie Epstein, on my Facebook page on Monday or Tuesday of next week. I will post the link at some point. Couple of questions that I would love to include public commentary on. And then he lists a bunch of questions. Here are the questions What are the rules for dating in the workplace? Flirt- Great question. Flirting. What are the clear red lines? Well, now already he's fucked himself because people are going to react negatively to that. But okay. He goes, where does the line between work life and social life stop and start? Given that in the short term, we are clearly bound by the existing educated talent pool in STEM, other than promoting STEM education parity going forward, how do we stop gap a solution? Should investors invest in ideas that they believe to have less merit so as to create equality across a portfolio? Now, people took that question wrong but that i think relates to what we were talking about before should we not vote for the candidate or not nominate the candidate that we think is going to win in lieu of voting for a candidate that we like better but is definitely going to lose it's a fair that's sort of what he's saying right mm-hmm. now people take it as like oh what women can't make money no that's not what he's saying but he's saying if 
in a situation where the a guy's portfolio or whatever versus a woman is better, should we take the woman instead be just in the name of different? Okay, that's a question. He's not saying this is what we should do. He's asking a question. Relax. Well, because How do... Go ahead. I mean, because if there are, he already said there is known there's fewer women in STEM fields. Presumably, that makes a smaller talent pool, a smaller talent pool that is looking for investment. Right. So you, everyone regresses to, to the average. Then there's going to be fewer good ideas from the women, even if it's a sa- like the same percentage of that group, but it's still going to be. Yeah. Well, be careful. So be careful what you say, Matt. No, I, I of course, yeah, I understand here. what you're saying. Right. What uh, how do we create channels to promote female entrepreneurship? What advice should we be giving to female entrepreneurs? Are there known mentorship programs for female entrepreneurs? Are there any aggregated or clear pieces of media or educational platforms to help men understand where the blind spots may be? Are these the right questions, he even ends with? No, they're not the right questions. You <laughs> said it right, though, you dumbass. Uh, 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 this woman, Joelle Emerson responded to him on Twitter. And then she also posted an alternative list to which Kutcher responded. Thanks for your great feedback. Okay. So he was, he got the list of her and he's like, thank you very much. That's great. This is her Twitter bio defined this woman, Joelle Emerson founder and CEO at PRDGM, which I assume is parad parad paradigm or whatever paradigm, maybe paradigm. Yeah. Uh, is that how it's always pronounced? No, but parrot. I don't know. Paradigm. Yeah. No, I know Paradigm, but... Well, anyway, okay. Uh, the tw- I just Googled PRDGM, and it, uh, it's Paradigm at PRDGM for the okay, Twitter. Account, uh, okay, so. cool, cool. Paradigm, using data and social science to drive diversity. For So her she's the CEO at a company that uses data and social science to drive diversity. So already this is like her area. It's not like she is a just solely into like a tech entrepreneur. She is specifically doing something to do with this topic. Okay. Okay. She goes, former women's rights lawyer, lover of innovative ideas, snacks and Oxford commas. I love snacks and Oxford commas too. We have a lot in common. I don't want this to be construed as flirting. Uh, uh, Anyway, she tweeted in response. She goes, yikes. These are definitely not the right questions. Most rely on flawed assumptions and perpetuate problematic myths. Can I just tell you something? Uh-huh. I cannot hear the word problematic anymore. <laughs> I just can't hear people being referred to as problematic. I can't hear things being described as problematic. Why? You don't like problems? Use a different... Yeah, no, no. So are you just, saying the word problematic is problematic? Yes, to me it is, yes. Uh, she And also, I tweeted last night because if I finally realized... the When people go, yikes, that's because they don't really care. They don't really have, they're not really upset, but they know they should be upset. So they're like, yikes, that is fucking, if you're upset about, say, say you're upset about it. Don't just go, yikes. What is this, 19 fucking, th- mm-hmm. what, what, what are we playing with a yo-yo, walking around, gee golly, yikes. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, anyway. Thank you for tuning into the th- the words Chris hates segment. <laughs> yeah, well, that's sort of why I wanted to bring up this segment. All right, so. But let me ask you something. Is yes. it really, is it, yeah, is it a, is it problematic that Ashton Kutcher asked what, what is what is flirt like is it okay to flirt at work like 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 that doesn't happen like that's not okay that doesn't mean harassment he didn't phrase it correctly so why not bit him in the ass it's a question yeah but he's not asking the right questions though it, what are the rules for dating in the workplace flirting if the answer yeah, is but, yeah, you but that's can't not the equality if the answer is you can't and don't yes those are the then answers just answer that. Don't go, yikes. I mean, this guy's fucking, he's, it's silly to pretend that like there isn't flirting or dating in the workplace though also, right? So it's like, what are you getting upset about? Total. It's just a, he's asking a question. 
He's asking a question. I mean, this is what shuts down conversation to begin with, where people go, well, here's a list of questions I have. I'm just putting them out there. And they're like, yikes, this problematic son of a bitch. And then they get mad. All right, forget it. I'm just going to go back to being married to Mila Kunis and having millions of dollars. I don't care. You, you forget just, it. You just hit the nail on the head because ultimately he's asking for a live di- dialogue. He right. even asked, are these the right questions? And that's <laughs> an opportunity to just be, be polite and just say, no, these really aren't the right questions. Right. And, and Joel Emerson was basically polite, but right. But a lot of people got, yeah. attacked him over this. And, a lot, like, and yeah, yikes is whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> it's like but, when adults say yummy when they're eating. They go, ooh, this food is yummy. Is it? Oh I mean, God. is it? You're 30. But, but so let's be honest. Ashton Kutcher, he's an underwear model turned really bad actor who just happens to have millions of dollars and hit some hit some good investments properly. He's never worked in an office. He's, he's never a had this life. Actor, I guess. Right? I mean, I've never liked his acting. All right. He's always he always overacts. But sure. He's never worked in an office. He doesn't know these things. He's well now he does. Yeah. So so <laughs> thank t- you Twitter. Whenever you have a chance to educate someone, actually have the dialogue. Just be polite and actually yeah, have like the discussion. That. Are you telling women, Matt, to smile? <laughs> no, I'm, just no, I'm saying the way to get the way to get your point point across is to when you have someone who's willing to listen, right? Just have the conversation. Yeah, don't attack people that again who are mostly on your side, right? And Ashton Kutcher is being on your side. Wait, I gotta oh, hold on because that you just reminded me. I want to open the article specifically that I read again. Of course, a Huffington Post article. It's written by somebody named Emily Peck, who I don't know if we've mentioned her on the show before, but she goes. This is how the uh, hold on. Where is it? Uh-oh. Uh, this episode, just constantly looking for things in articles. I know. It's good. You know what? Because I'm doing a little less like of this. It just saves me time like doing the rundown. I figure it's fine. People can... Oh, where is it? Jesus Christ. Oh, here we go. This is the last, last paragraph in the, in the article. At the end of his LinkedIn post, Kutcher asks earnestly if his questions are the right ones. Kutcher has demonstrated in the past that he supports equality and understands bias, supporting co-star Natalie Portman, uh, Portman's efforts to get paid fairly and wife Mila Kunis's posts on equality. He even launched a peti- petition to get diaper changing stations in men's rooms. In men's rooms. So you're writing an article about Ashton Kutcher being a problem, yet at the end you're like, but he's shown in the past that he is definitely not a problem. So what are you doing? What was the point of this article? Outrage. Just to annoy, yeah, it's just to annoy me, and it's annoy you, exactly. But it just works, annoy Chris. Well, it, and really it definitely works. works. I mean, I took the bait. I mean, come on, seven a.m. They posted this. Seven, 7 a.m. Well, they probably weren't up all night writing it. But more importantly, no. what time did you get up today? I don't remember. And do you know what was nice about it? When you got up, that post from seven a.m. was still there. Yeah, well, that was no. This is like weeks ago. This was on the eighth. Oh, oh, oh it's an old one. No, I'm not oh. saying today. Yeah, it was posted on a Saturday. I mean, I guess it's kind of a waste. Whatever. Anyway, stop. Stop saying yummy. Yikes is a word reserved for people that don't really care, but think they have to. Problematic. We're done. I don't want to see it. All right. Got a clip of Paul Ryan here. The nerd bitch. Finally. You're excited about this, Joey? I love Paul Ryan. Well, I love Paul Ryan, too, because he's eminently predictable. He says the same shit all the time, and he's such an asshole. This is him talking to, I want to say Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, Brian Kilmeade. When the CBO score came out of Trump Care 2.0, I guess we're on this this bill they're trying to like cram through. Uh, this is him talking about it. We've heard him say this before, but I just want to reiterate it. This is Paul Ryan on the CBO score. Mr. Speaker, while you were in your series of meetings, the CBO came out with a score. You knew it was coming out. And uh, a brief look shows 
that over the course of a 10-year period, you're going to save $321 billion off the deficit. However, $22 million will be without coverage. What they're basically saying at the Congressional Budget Office is if you're not going to force people to buy Obamacare, if you're not going to force people to buy something they don't want, then they won't buy it. So it's not that people are getting pushed off a plan, it's that people will choose not to buy something they don't like or want. Uh, and that's the difference here. So by uh, repealing the individual and employer mandate, uh -huh. which mandates people buy this health insurance that they can't afford, that don't like, if you don't mandate that they're going to do this, then many, that many people won't do it. It also says that if states don't expand Medicaid in the future, then fewer people will go on Medicaid in those states that don't expand it in the future. Oh, Mr. Speaker, so while you're in your series of replays. Oh, oh, okay. So if you don't expand Medicaid in the future, then technically people aren't getting thrown off Medicaid because you never expanded it to begin with. So those people don't count. Bullshit. Uh, That's all bullshit. I, dude, that fucking argument of like, well, we're not forcing them to buy it. It's insurance, you piece of shit. If they don't buy it, they don't get care. They don't get to go to the doctor until they're bleeding and they have to go to the hospital and we're still paying for it. What is the matter with you? Like, that argument is so aggravating. These people do want health care. They just, yeah, it's a, a, down to affordability. Yeah, they just don't want to pay, or they can't afford to pay 8000 Nobody's saying Obamacare was perfect, but at least it provided an option. This provides nothing. You have no option. You can't afford, and for people that are in the 64-year-old range, 63, 64, oh, oh, you are death panels. Fucked. Yeah, because if you're sick, your insurance, your premium's going up like, $16,000, $17,000 because you're too young to be on Medicare, but you're too old, I guess, to get some kind of crap. Like, you are fucked if you're 64 years old if this thing goes through. But senior citizens don't get sick. Don't you know that? They're the healthiest group, right? Yes. Yeah, I know. Just, he, this yeah, is, mathematically. This yeah. is Paul Ryan of the, I mean, it's ridiculous. They want young people. It's just a scheme to get young people to pay for old people. Yeah. That's literally what health insurance is, you monster. And then, yeah, but and then, the point is he wants the people to be paying for it, not the rich people that we get the tax incentives Well, it from. is a tax. I mean, it's, it's a, tax a tax break also. Well, and then it, com it comes around when we're older because, yeah, we pay for it now, but then the younger people will be paying for us when we're older. Yes, that's, that's the, the way yeah. it works. The young, healthy, working people. Pay for the people who are down, getting a little older in life. Right. We take care of our elderly, our sick. Supposedly, right, yeah. Our whole mass, masses yearning to breathe free. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, so I, I always like to play those Paul Ryan clips because it's just like, well, we're not going to force people to buy something they don't want. Yeah, I don't want to be... In case I get hit by a bus later, I do not... I mean, I'll take my chances. I do not want to be covered. <laughs> I have no interest in buying something that would cover me. Fucking jerk. You shouldn't get hit by a bus, Chris. Well, shouldn't... They, right, well, that is my... Right, I mean, that's true. Yeah. Take responsibility. Um, why not just like work to make it less expensive? Isn't that a Republican thing too? Oh, competition, being conservative with the money, yes. Well, competition brings down costs for consumer, but doesn't they pay lip service to that? But it really seems like they just want corporations to make more money. Yes, that's really all it seems to come down to. Corporations it doesn't seem like they really care about health insurance at all. I mean. They're all about, they talk about being small government and less spending, but all they want to do is spend, give money to the rich and keep propping up in the military industrial complex. Yes. Industries that we should not be, like the two industries that we need to kill kill right now, that and private prisons. Well, yeah, private prisons are a big deal. That should really But that's a whole ahead. other issue that we've discussed previously. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's get into this Trump odds and ends. Okay. Um, this is a... a one that I wanted to mention off the top 
it's a quick one. Ivanka Trump, Ivanka, stepped in for President Trump, sitting between Theresa May and Xi Jinping at a G20 world leadership working session titled Partnership with Africa, Migration, and Health, while the president met with Putin. What? That is so out of bounds with what is acceptable. It's stunning. First of all, there's a vice president, right? Mike Pence is a person that was elected vice president. He wasn't there. Why isn't he stepping in for Trump when Trump has a meeting? Wouldn't that make more sense? Second of all, Ivanka has no business. She, she doesn't have any experience with what that working group is anyway, to even be a part of it. Partnership with Africa, migration. What the fuck does she know? And even if she did, she's still not an elected official of the United States. She's just the president's daughter. There's no reason she should be there. That should have been a bigger deal. I don't know if it was. I mean, I was away that week when it happened, but like, that should still be being talked about. Like, uh, you can't do this. You can't just put your family members in positions of power uh, amongst other elite world leaders. Like, that just doesn't. She, she's not. She was not Senate confirmed. No. If, if anything, why isn't Rex Tillerson there? He's a Secretary of State. Uh, absolutely. There's so many people that could be there. Yes. A- anybody. I mean, I understand that Mike Pence probably does his own thing, and you don't want the president and vice president in the same right. place in case something goes wrong. Okay, but right, but Rex Tillerson for sure. Yeah. So that is literally his job to handle foreign foreign affairs. It's wild. Liter- he yes. is confirmed by the Senate just for that purpose. Could you imagine? Let me, let's just let's just imagine. Yes, we're imagining. If Barack Obama met with Putin or whatever, he's meeting with somebody, mm-hmm. and he goes, uh, "Michelle, step in." And Michelle goes in there, and she says, do, "Do you think that people on the right would be like, yeah, that makes sense?" Nope. Do you think that people, all the people on the left would think that makes sense? No. Nope. They'd be like, well, that was inappropriate, but, you know, she's competent. They'd find a way, you know, they'd find a way around. But, like, not okay. that would not be okay. That would not fly. The, the fucking president put his wife in. She's not even alive. They'd fucking go insane if that happened. Um, Ivanka is not at all qualified. Not at all. No. I mean, it should be daughters. So it's more like putting Malia there, right? Well, I, I was going to go with Malia, but it's like too young, right? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, but daughters and at least, at least, no, Michelle, at least Michelle Obama's a qualified but I'm saying, a, well, a right. lawyer and a, I, Exactly, person. but that's why I even say it. Like, at least Michelle, you can make an argument. I mean, she's far more, I think she's far more qualified than Ivanka even. Definitely, but neither one are qualified no, to be there. Because <laughs> they weren't elected by the people. No, they, they were just not... shouldn't be there. It just doesn't make sense. Like, he's sitting between the prime minister of the UK and the fucking president of China. That's where Ivanka Trump belongs? That's really what you think? This is literally, he's just not doing his job because he wants to go shake hands with Putin. And this is clearly the first time they've ever met, clearly. Yeah. Um, All right. Very interesting new study. Very, very interesting new study. Boston University and University of Minnesota professors studied the relationship, excuse me, between military casualties and Trump votes. Uh Uh-oh. Regions with high concentrations of casualties over the last 15 years swung in support of Trump, who, like we mentioned before, ran an anti-war, essentially, campaign against Hillary, who's definitely not anti-war. There's no way you could label Hillary Clinton as anything other than a war hawk. Somebody that's going to continue the wars, probably start some new ones. I mean, both parties are hawks, run by hawks now. Yeah, for sure. But I, but Hillary, I mean, in that direct comparison, Hillary, yeah. uh, you would have to say, was probably more hawkish than Trump was 
even though you know Trump is just saying, you know, you figured the asshole is going to start a war. Lower casualty rate. Uh, here, I have this graph. So anyway, here we go. How lower casualty rates in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan might have cost Clinton the election. Now, this is fascinating. In reality, like the actual vote totals in Wisconsin, 47.8% of people voted for Trump. 47% voted for Hillary. She lost. If Wisconsin had a lower casualty rate, their model, these two professors, their model predicts Clinton would have won the county. Huh. If the casualty rate was lower, they had Hillary Clinton 48.4%, Trump 46.4%. Pennsylvania, same thing. Trump won 48.6 to 47.9. If the casualty rate was lower, they had Trump at 47, they had Hillary at 49.4%. Law and order, Betty. Law well, and order. hold on. Michigan, 47.6, Trump won to Clinton's 47.4. Very close. The other way, if their casualties were lower in there, 46% for Trump, 49 for Hillary. Now, this is just their projections. They're they're saying that this is the case and the way that they've looked at these, you know, the correlation between the votes to casualties. They're saying if the if the casualty rate was a little bit lower, Hillary probably would have won these plays. It's not law and order. It's the opposite of that. It's Trump spent a lot of time talking about veterans. He did that fundraiser thing where he didn't go to the debate or whatever. He did it for veterans. He talked about treating them right, fixing the VA, bringing people home, not starting stupid wars. People responded to that. and It's war fatigue. Yeah, for sure. And, and I have a couple of quotes here that I think are really interesting from the study. Uh, Francis, oh, well, this is Francis Shen. Oh, yeah, Francis Shen, who's the University of Minnesota law professor that was involved in this. He said, the those writing both in universities and in most of the media are not regularly experiencing the cost of war. It's not, again, on average, their communities who are seeing as many deaths, and it is more likely on average communities that are uh, poorer, less educated, and are more rural. And I think it's plausible. It's certainly plausible. I think that the rhetoric of Trump's campaign may have resonated with that group. Now, this is a direct quote from the study itself. This is their conclusion. Our results also have important implications for Democrats. Currently, the Democratic Party is engaging in a period of fitful soul-searching in a quest to understand its inability to connect with many working-class and rural voters who abandoned the party of Roosevelt for Trump. Much of this introspection is focused on the party's position on trade policy, economic inequality, and emphasis on identity politics. However, Democrats may also want to re-examine their foreign policy posture if they hope to erase Trump's electoral gains among constituencies exhausted and alienated by 15 years of war. Mm. Correct. Correct. I totally agree with that. I mean, ultimately... That was something I warned repeatedly during the primary process that Hillary Clinton was a war hawk, for sure. And I said she would get us involved in another war in Syria. And the day Trump dropped those bombs in Syria, Hillary was saying that was exactly what they should have done. Yes. So make no mistake about that. Well, ultimately, during the, during the actual election, yes, his rhetoric made sense to a lot of people. There were times where I thought... During the elections, like, oh yeah, I couldn't actually agree with that thing he said. Right. And oh, for sure. That's where it was. Like, the problem is, I had a, I had a strong suspicion he wouldn't follow through on any of what he was saying. Right. Which is why I could never have voted for him. Right. But people hear what they want to hear, and even if it's a lie, they're going to say, yeah, he's actually talking about this, and he's having the discussion. That's why. That's how, why he won. Definitely. He was willing to go to every place and talk about whatever they wanted to talk about, <laughs> whether he was lying to them or not. It oh, didn't really make a difference. lying through but, his teeth. But, right. <laughs> but he still wanted to talk about it. Uh, Joey, yes. this is the last thing. You got some people suing Trump? Yeah. So 
we all know how Mr. Trump loves to tweet. Tweet, 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 tweet. He tweets a lot. A lot of people consider me the king of Twitter. President of the United States, king of Twitter. So in the Twitterverse... Yeah. I like to call it the Trump's Twitterverse. Oh, yeah. In Trump's Twitterverse, yeah. there was a few individuals believe that the account constitutes a public forum for speech by and to about the president of the United States. Uh-huh. It turns out that he's been blocking people. Yeah. And From if, his Donald Trump account, not the POTUS account. Yes, correct. And if you're blocking from the Donald, the Donald Trump block, that means they can no longer see what he's posting. Right. Except, yeah, except for the fact that it's reposted on every fucking website and TV screen every time. But okay, yeah. Uh, listen, I'm not the one who brought the suit in New York, all right? Uh, can I tell you something? Yes. The reason why I wanted this story on the show? Uh-huh. If you're suing Donald Trump because he blocked you on Twitter, you're a fucking pussy. Oh, is that all you wanted to yeah, do? Get That's real. all you wanted to say. Get fucking real. So I have. You don't have a right to see Trump, his tweets. You don't. And you, you'll see them anyway. Create another account if you want to look at his. T- Stop it! But, you're being fucking ridiculous. Well, the the argument that they that actually does make sense is that it is a public. He's made it a public forum, and it is a way that it is a way that everyone has. Has access to talk to the president? No, but you don't. You, you, it's clear that he listens through through Twitter. It's clear, clear okay. that's the only way you can, can actually get. No, it's not. You can write a letter to the White House. It's he, not. It's he bullshit. doesn't read anything. He doesn't read than, than 140 so, whatever characters. Stop. I'm blocked by Larry Brooks, who's the beat writer for the New York Post for the Rangers. Really? Okay. What did you do to the now, beat writer? Story. I want to know. <laughs> I, I sent him one tweet. Well, I forget what it was about. It was a while ago. I mean, I've been blocked for years. I didn't even know I was blocked. And then one day I went to his like Twitter page to like check something. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, wait, blocked me. He's a real puss too because I didn't say it. Wasn't, it wasn't like I said anything. War of words here. Crazy. Jesus You've been called out. Chris. Because he uh, he wrote an article about the Rangers. The Rangers have been, uh, to the best of my recollection, this is a while ago. Yes. Rangers have been on a good winning streak. They had one bad game or whatever. And. He fucking wrote this whole article about this is wrong and this player needs to step up and blah, 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 blah. But meanwhile, during the winning streak, it's not like he wrote a bunch of articles praising how well they yeah. played. Or, and I wrote, I was like, it's fucking amazing. Or I didn't even curse, but I remember writing like, essentially, it's amazing that a guy that's been covering the Rangers for 40 years chooses to bash them in the midst of a great run that they're having, one of the best seasons they've had. But meanwhile, when they're doing well, fucking nothing from you. No. You know what I mean? And, he blocked that. Yeah, which, what a baby. <laughs> but now you can bring a lawsuit in New York that he blocked you. Well, I just deal with it. You know what? He wanted to block me. He blocked me. It's fine. So I, I read his articles on New York Post. You know, I go, I read what he writes about the Rangers, and that's it. So I can't talk to him. Do you mail me letters? No. So you can't DM somebody if they uh, no. if they block you? No, right? but I have other Twitter accounts if I really want to look at his tweets, but I, I don't yeah. care. Maybe I'll send him a letter. I'll be like, listen, you know, unblock me, sir. Please. Unblock me. Please, Larry. See how many of your Twitter accounts you can get blocked on. <laughs> oh, I mean, I could get blocked immediately. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, it's like, you know what? Fucking sack up. You, you got blocked by Trump. So what? You'll see those tweets if you really want to see them. Yeah, because it's going to be a What are they suing him for? Money? Damages? What are they suing? Uh, th- that it's going against the First con- the first Amendment, right? No, it's not. It's a private thing, Twitter. It's not and- a fucking... It's a- Quote, that's the misnomer about Facebook, too. And I've told you this a million times, Joey. People act like it's public, but it's not. It's private. Yes. They own it. It's their town square you're talking. Yes. It's not a public square. No. So I guess at the end of the Same day... Same thing with Twitter. 
at the end of the day, they just don't want him to be able to block anybody. Well, well so I guess they wanted to be unblocked. Bad news, snowflakes. <laughs> well, and also what they're latching on to is Winter the fact is here. <laughs> if, if you recall, Sean Spicer at one point said, yes, it's official statements that are coming from the Twitter account. So Yes, well, Spicer, that, old Spicer. Well, I mean, you know, look, I mean, when I, I, I made that, originally when I made the comment that these are public statements, essentially what I was saying was that these are private statements to the public for, in a, a private forum. Now, you can miss you don't have to talk to the president. Private you, statements in a public forum or public no, forum public, and private they're statements? They're public, private. They're private, Joey. They are private. <laughs> look, essentially what I was saying was the, the president, these are private statements in a to public people in a private forum, essentially, is what I was trying to say. No, okay. Now, the, <laughs> of course, it's Spicer that got him in this yeah. situation, right? It is Spicer, <laughs> that, Spicer. that caused the problem. He's fucking done. Where's Huckabee? <laughs> Sanders, where is she? She's my cup of tea. She's busy eating a sandwich. Oh, oh Joey. Jesus Christ. She's not, I mean, Not fat? on camera. You went fat, she, Joe? She, she's just not eating on camera. It's okay. That's the third or fourth <laughs> thing you should have targeted her for. Shotgun. Uh, I don't know. I haven't really gotten a good read on her yet. Although she did say, by the way, that the gun issue in Chicago is a moral issue. <laughs> Like, it's a morality issue. It's like, these fucking animal blacks are just shooting each other. Oh. Well, what does she mean? Right? It's a moral issue. It's like, what are you talking about? It's a morale. Oh, yeah. They, they're just morally bankrupt. That's why they're shooting each other. Are you fucking nuts? <laughs> I mean, it is, a mor- it is a moral issue. It's about the morality of helping out the lower classes and trying to improve their quality of life. And yeah, well, her, her and Richard Jones should get together and, and start a compassion tour. <laughs> no, you send in the cops to clean up the poor people. <laughs> yes. And you sweep clean up crime. Up. Yeah, sweep, sweep them up. up. Dr. Ben, get in there. <laughs> He's sending Carson. Of course. Just Carson. Nobody yeah. else. Because he's black and can relate to them. Well, he runs HUD or whatever. He's like, <laughs> he just figures, I don't know. But I don't it, deal. And he, of course. He, I love the blacks. Remember when he said that? He that was 100% it. real. Yes. I love the blacks. He also loves, love taco balls. <laughs> love my Hispanics. On, this, on Cinco de Mayo, this of course. This fucking guy got Mayo. elected <laughs> president. <laughs> Do you understand? America. Kid Rock's running now. I'll vote for Kid Rock. Okay. No, he's he's more of the Trump. Oh, I'm sorry, it's Senate. It, he's he's gone for Senate. Oh, is he I really? Misspoke. Yeah. In Michigan? I believe so, yes. Wow. I would love to see Kid Rock in concert. I would like not like to see him on you the see, Senate floor. You see, I, I just have this horrible image of a Kid Rock president, presidential ticket with a uh, with Ted Nugent as the vice presidential candidate. No, uh, no, I do not <laughs> they're, accept they're, that. They're both the same sort what of What was crazy. his uh, little buddy? His, Josie. It was Josie. Yeah. God rest his soul, he passed. Yeah, he did. No, You're not going to say anything good. bad. That's the end of the conversation. My name's Josie. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's Kid Rock and Josie run together. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to read some emails? Let's read some we'll emails. We'll do some emails. We did answer two of them. May we just know. Did we? Which other one did we answer? The. Um... Oh, just why shut up. We'll just read it. I know. Well, you. you it's put fine. Me on just the spot. go. Just so read I, it. Whatever you say bounces off me. Uh, all right. Email from Matt, my brother-in-law. This is legit. He goes, "You're great." 888, all that shit. <laughs> so so he's just talking to you. There's nobody else. No, no. He knew that it was going to be right on the show. Oh, of okay, course. Okay. Uh, regard, now, this is this goes back a couple of episodes okay. where we're talking about a Kamala Harris uh, getting shut down or whatever, but being told to like chill at the Jeff Sessions hearing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where people were saying it's sexist. And I was like, I don't necessarily think it's sexist. I guess it could be, but it was more she was 
clearly just being the most aggressive person there. Yes. And that's why. Okay. He says, regarding Senator Harris's questioning style of Jeff Sessions, I know your topic was mostly about whether or not it was sexist that people interrupted her. I think it was, but I wanted to take issue with something you said. I think she had no expectation that Sessions would give a quick soundbite damning himself. My guess is that she was trying to expose the theater of the long answer filibuster for the public. Trying to, sh- uh, trying to showcase that, he really didn't want to answer the question definitively, which points a likely possibility that he knows if he answers concisely and truthfully that it would be damning. That's not conclusive, but a remaining vigilant uh, vigilance brings that kind of option to the forefront. Instead of being for uh, instead of people forgetting his answer because he just kind of rambled for a while. Oh, I read that like an idiot. Instead of just kind of rambling, people forgetting his answer because he just kind of rambled for a while. The other thing she was probably trying to do was put him on his heels, agitate him purposely into letting his guard down and saying the truth. In that case, she may have been using his old. Now, this is the best point that Matt mm-hmm. makes here. He goes, she may have been using his old white Southern identity against him, assuming that she, as a woman of color, would be able to agitate him more easily when she questions his authority. That's a lot of speculation on my, on my part, but I think I would have done that if I were her. So to go back to the original point you were discussing, I think people who were upset about the interruption, people likely to be Democrats, were partially upset because the interruption uh, interruptions were a defense against good strategy on Senator Harris's part, and then also the sexism. Cheers. He and then he then listen to this. He signs mm-hmm. off ten ten eleven out. He thinks he's a 10-face, 10 10-body, 10 11 personality. Compared which, to you. That doesn't even work. No, it's, not even just compared to everybody. Ah. Literally off the charts. It's crazy. That's a zip code. That's not an area code. <laughs> he's a you know the man, code. is he? Uh, he's very attractive, and he's really a great great personality. Yeah. Very funny. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful abs. Uh, I like the I like. I get the. I get what he's saying yes. there. I get the point. I like the point, and that's maybe something we, we overlooked. Definitely, now that I think back on it, he did get the most irritated by her. Yes. It's like, oh, a black woman. It probably did irritate him from that perspective. So I get that, but I still don't necessarily think it was sexist per se, but it definitely, I I, I hear where he's coming from. Yeah. Uh, Matt, thanks for listening, buddy. Thank you for writing in. We saw, that's why we were out in LA, by the way. That's where I was on vacation. Oh, that's so nice. Went out to visit Matt and his lovely wife, Sarah. Family's very important. We hung out. We went to the comedy store. We ate tacos. We had a great time. Family's very important. Is that what you just said? Yes, I do. <laughs> I love your color commentary. We got an email from Paul. Chris, Joey, and Matt. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hey. Where are you from? I am a longtime listener to the podcast. Man Samp has been in my ears for a number of years now. Since Poop Talk on the G- uh, on the TFM J Train podcast, y'all have a great show. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you. Well, thank we really you. appreciate it. After... The last episode's discussion of the Georgia 6th District election, I wanted to write in with some different perspective. Okay. Yeah. We talked about John Ossoff, that he was just sort of doing an Obama impression. And I was like, this is not the guy to run. Yeah. It's not going to be enough. Okay. He says, if it pleases, oh, this is a a Southern gentleman we're dealing with Mm. here. If it pleases, I want to tell you my personal background to establish some credibility. I'm 26 and have lived in Georgia for all of those years. I was raised in a conservative, affluent part of Augusta, Georgia, two hours east of the Atlanta 6th District. One of the colleges I graduated from was widely attended by students that hailed from the sixth. It's a small liberal arts school where I graduated with my degree in physics. Damn. I then attended Georgia Tech. Hey, our friend, our friend Zam went to Georgia Tech. Very proud. Yes. Joey, what are you doing? I'm, I'm what? listening to you. What? No, you weren't. You were looking at your goddamn fucking phone. <laughs> 
Do, do I have to silence you again? No, sir. Don't call me sir. It's, I feel sexual. You are not almost. a southern gentleman wanna, like this yeah. guy. Uh, anyway, I was just saying our friend Sam went to Georgia Tech. All right. Which uh, is in the southern part of the 6th District. Fulton County, uh, where I received my mechanical engineering degree. Uh, I have many family members that live in the 6th as well. My peers and I all grew up in a similar conservative areas. As I've gotten more experience under my belt, I've learned that the identity of these conservative Republicans is effectively the most important part of their public persona. Yes. Being a liberal down here is very difficult. You were stigmatized by your parents' generation as a brainwashed college know-it-all. It's demoralizing. Yeah, that's irritating. That's frustrating, and I think that happens, though, in a lot of ways when anybody gets a different perspective. Because, like, they go, well, it's important. You got to get an education. You got to go to college. Uh-huh. You go to college, you get the education. You're like, oh, I changed my whole worldview. And they're like, college pussy. <laughs> no, no. No, it's... It is demoralizing. No, no. The, 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 the funny thing is they want you to go get the education, so you go get the education, and when they come back and they question you, you're just then a city folk. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Are you? Yeah. Do you feel that? I feel that because you're no longer part of the community. Right. And because you might not agree or might be open to another possibility. Right. That indirectly or maybe directly is confrontational to them and they yes. don't want to deal with it. Yes, absolutely. That's another big factor I think that's left out uh, in conversations about, you know, why people don't leave bad neighborhoods or leave the ghetto or leave whatever. It's like, even if they do well, well, because that's where everybody they know is. Yes. <laughs> it's the same kind of idea, you know, it kind of pinches on the same, uh, whatever. And, know and, and everybody knows that sometimes it's very difficult to be able to have the motivation to move out and strike on your own and start literally all over again. Yes, absolutely. Uh, he continues, Asaf is professional and he's young like us. He is genuine. He was a breath of fresh. Well, see, this is the thing. I don't know him, obviously, as well, because I'm not in Georgia. To me, he felt a little put on, but okay. But I, I'll take your word for it because you guys have been around him more. He was a breath of fresh air down here. He handled himself very professionally, even with the disgusting, vile, putrid attacks from the right. In one ad, he and the left excuse me, are blamed for the GOP baseball practice shooting. Yeah, I saw that one. Oh. He didn't uh, have anything to do with that. No, he was not a Bernie progressive, but he was a step in a direction I wanted to go. He represented my young peers and me. He grew up in the sixth in the same conservative affluent environment that my friends from college were from. Thank you for the work you put into the podcast. I enjoyed it very much. I hope you all have a wonderful summer. Well, thank you. Thank uh, you for Paul, adding I really in. appreciate it. And yes, I, you know, I think I used Asaf as a a name and a face to yell about, mm-hmm. you know, kind of poor general democratic strategy, but it's a step in it. the right direction from well, what I get he's it. writing. Yes. No. And I get it. And definitely sh- he was better than Karen handle. Yes. You know, I, I, I think at the time I was arguing more, his more, what he was saying. Yeah, probably definitely. And, and I, I, you know, it was, again, I was more yelling about, I didn't like his Obama. I felt like he, I still feel like he's doing an Obama impression, but yeah. that's all right. But, and you know, it's the amount of money, the obscene amount of money that was poured into that thing for still a loss. Um, but I hear you, I hear where you're coming from. And I think it's, you know, look, it's good that there's a n- another generation of people now in Southern places that have a more, you know, a little yeah. bit more of a liberal perspective yeah. and are, are willing to be open-minded and potentially vote for somebody that is not a conservative. I think that's, that's important. And you know, and as time goes on, we'll see how that that changes. And Obama was inf- Obama was influential. I would rather have more Obamas than more Reagans. Yes. So let's yes, let's get more Obamas. He was a eloquent, an eloquent eloquent man. He was well spoken, a statesman. Yes, That's he was a proper with. statesman. And yeah, 
part of politics is you have to be able to brush things off and not freak out every time you're insulted on Twitter and block everyone. Yeah, Obama wasn't going to do that. <laughs> he had class. Yes. We have another email from another Paul. He says, hey, Chris, Joey, Matt. This has been circulating in my college town recently. I thought it was pretty cool and worth the mention. Several of my friends have started the process, and I am on the track to using solar energy as well. Hmm. The description from the link mentions that it is $0.05 cents per kilowatt hour, which is $0.02 cents more than the natural gas method. But at the end of the day, you're maybe paying $30 to save the world, so I'm happy to see this happening. Hopefully other larger cities in the Southeast can take on similar programs, and we can end up on the right track. Figured it was worth sharing, though. Let me know what you guys think. If you guys want to check it out, it's talgov.com, um, and it's Tallahassee Solar. It's a program where um, you know you can kind of shift away from using natural gas, and you can shift to solar, which well, is that's nice. huge. Yeah, I mean that's and again now there's a whole website you guys can go check out like how the program actually works. But by and large, that's great. Yeah, that's what we should be doing. And maybe it is. Maybe it is instead of, um, you know, that that's sort of a protest vote. That's sort of donating to a group, spending a little bit more money on a, on a better energy to try to advance solar over natural gas. That's great. That's the right thing. Set the example. You know, that's yeah. maybe how you do it. Because I know, you know, it's funny. A lot of, uh, I was out in California, so you see a lot of like ACLU stuff and people protesting and doing, you know, rallies trying to sign you up for the ACLU. It's funny that a lot of liberals after Trump got elected started, you know, donating money to the ACLU and that became a big like liberal cause. Yeah. The the ACLU is not a liberal. Like they are just a, free, a freedom of speech, First Amendment right organization. They defend you know, and Coulter the same way that they have defend whoever on the left, you know, and it's just funny. So yeah, maybe it's not instead, setting an agenda. So it's good. It's good that people donate a ton of money to the ACLU, but maybe this is what you do. Yeah. Also, you know what I mean? You spend a couple of more bucks a month, but you're making a difference. You're making a no. practical difference. That's good. Um, Thank you for writing in, Paul. Finally, we got an email from Damon. Like I mentioned before, Hey guys, big fan of the show from Scotland, Scotland. Can't wait for you guys to return. We've never been to Scotland. Oh, I think he's talking about because we took a break. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to know your thoughts on Assange advising Trump Jr. to publish his emails through WikiLeaks to prevent it being used as evidence. Why should Assange care if something is considered evidence against Trump Jr.? This, to me, is obvious collusion and sullies the role of WikiLeaks as being independent, neutral, arbiter of information. I'm sure Matt would agree with me on this, he says. Anyways, keep up the good work, guys. Looking forward to hearing from you. Cheers. Thank you, Damon. Very cool. All the way from Scotland. That's no, great. That's awesome. Where David Tennant is from. Sorry, Damon. The for, tenth doctor. Sorry, Damon, for disagreeing with, for proving you wrong. Yeah, we. I mean, we already got into this, obviously, like yeah. pretty in depth earlier on the on the show. Uh, even if it was him trying to keep Trump Jr. from getting um, in trouble or whatever, the information they're still putting out is true. Now that would speak to arguments that we've had before mm -hmm. about then maybe there is a bias in terms of when he's choosing to put out information, what information maybe it's withholding information, whatever. Um, but we talked about it before. I mean, I don't think it was. And th there's a lot strong. I think there's a lot stronger arguments for collusion than oh, he's trying to channel tra tra uh, channel traffic to his website. Yeah, maybe. It's really that simple. Yeah. It's like oh, this thing. He, of course, he'd rather have the documents come out on his site than some other site. Yeah, it's that simple. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. All right. Yeah, and he doesn't like Twitter, Sanji. There, he's, he's mad at Twitter because they like did, they won't verify his account. 
<laughs> no, which is which is a, is ridiculous though. I mean, at a they know where he is. They have his location. Yeah, they know, they know who he is, and they won't verify the account. Yeah, they that's should awesome. verify his account. That I mean, is awesome. Obviously, if anybody's gonna have fake accounts pop up, it's fucking Julian Assange, right? Uh, how many fake accounts do you think he's got? Like fifteen, twenty. Not him. I'm saying people would pretend to be Julian Assange. Oh my god, think about how. That's yeah. why it's important to verify his account. He's anyway. Um, all right, good episode. Anything else? Anything Great else episode. we missed? Did you got anything we missed from two weeks or what? Uh, not that I could think of. Uh, we did cover the CNN thing, which yeah, I was really upset that it uh, that it happened. They also tried to. I woke up and I was like, why? Why? Like CNN I guess... tried to out the fifteen year old. Apparently, they were gonna go like boss yeah, to the wall against a fifteen. Yeah, I don't agree with that at it's all. Like, what's wrong with you guys? Why would the, yeah the kid supposedly that put the meme up that Trump found and tweeted was like some fifteen year old kid? Yeah. There's no verification on whether that kid is fifteen or not. I don't know, but. Yeah, why? What? What? What difference does it make who that person is? Yeah, well, I don't understand why. Well, it's not being dicks. That's that's taking it to an extreme. Like I don't see why CNN, a a huge corporation, would go after a a private citizen. Like, just doesn't make sense. No one's ever accused CNN of being a good journalistic organization. Yeah, no, absolutely, they're a corporation. That's what I'm talking about. They still have power, just like any other corporation. Um, All right. That's it. That's all I got. Fantastic. Yeah, it was a fun episode. It's nice to be back. We'll be back next week as well. Um, what else? You want to do the plugs? Yeah, soundcloud.com slash mandatory Samson. I would encourage you guys to go on iTunes. You can subscribe to this podcast on there. It'll download every week. You can give us a rating. We'd really appreciate it. We have 62 ratings right now. Nice, guys. Let's, let's get that Perfect up. five-star rating. We love it. Leave a comment. That'd be great. You can also email us, mandatorysampson at gmail.com. You can tweet, Instagram, Snapchat me, at mansamp. Joey is at Joey from Jersey. Jersey is spelled with a Z. Matt is Matt D. Weiss on Twitter. That's all I got to say. I love you guys. Have a nice weekend. We'll talk to you on Thursday. No, we'll talk to you on Friday. Damn it. We'll talk to each other on Thursday. You'll hear it on Friday. You fucked up. I love you guys. Goodbye.